0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at DrMattShow.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, joined, of course, by Jeffrey Liam Simpson and Terry South. We made it another day. Woohoo! Yeehaw! Happy relaxation day, by the way. Today's the day you get to slow down, breathe, and relax.
3: <sighs>
2: it's time to relax. I can't. Why? I can't. You just can't do it. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. All the buttons aren't. You push a button, nothing works.
4: I'm afraid it's a little more complicated than that, man. Uh, <laughs> do explain.
2: Please explain. It just doesn't. Life, this is how life works, Jeff. You, you, I mean, in my 48 years, is that how old I am? Yeah. In my 48 years of life, (laughs) I've learned there just are certain days where you can push every button you want and it doesn't work. And then, you know, you get up four times a night to go to the
1: restroom
4: and it works. Something that is working though. Just bad timing. Yeah. What is working? This, uh, this diet that I'm on, you, you look- I'm doing this, this app. Yeah. So what you have is an app on your phone. I lost three and a half pounds in one week. Wow. And I didn't exercise once. Well, something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. You're going against nature
2: now. Yeah, now you're just flat out going against nature. Well, you look great. You look slender. I don't know that I would wear the tight clothes that you're wearing. Too soon. It's too soon. I might okay. wait like three more weeks. All right.
4: Then start putting on. And the then tight maybe stuff. after I've lifted some weights as well. Don't don't lift any weights if you want to lose weight.
2: Well, you're on an app where you pay thirty dollars, and
4: you have a chance of maybe getting all that money back. <laughs> Is that how that works? If I if everybody gets it, then we all get our money back. If some people get it, then I'll get like 10 extra bucks.
2: So you can make an extra 10 <laughs>
4: on the on the lack of
2: discipline of other people. Yes. Okay. So really it's an app to take advantage of people that have no discipline.
4: Uh, No. Okay. It's, it's an app to take advantage of not losing your own money. Oh, okay. That's really why you do it. So That's you don't lose
2: it. your money. Because you're also motivated by this money and that makes you work out more.
4: Not work out, but eat healthier. Well that and my my uh my sweet wife has said, look, you've got some heart disease in your family, you've got some diabetes and cancer say, in your family. You need to you need to make some changes. Did here. she say look, tubby? Did she say it like that? No, okay, no, yeah, no. Because that would be rude. That would be so rude. No. Yeah, mine doesn't say that. She's either. just concerned. Not she's not saying you're humongous. She's just saying based on your family history, you need to See, make sure that
2: you're healthy. That's why we get married, is because we're here to help each other get better, right? And in your case, she until you're better insured,
4: she wants you to live. You know, I can't tell you how horrible it was to be craving nachos. Had this really strong craving yesterday. Oh, did you? And I'm sitting down watching the the uh, ten to thirteen year old girls' World Series softball because whoa, whoa,
3: I'm whoa 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 what.
2: Let
4: were, me explain. You were, you were watching the 10- to 13-year-old girls. Calm old's down. Softball. Let, let me explain. Okay, go ahead. I'm sitting at a sports clips Okay. waiting to get a haircut. And at sports clips, they only show ESPN. Just sports, yeah. It's and all that's sports. what happened to be on. Okay. And I was enthralled, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. And they— Why, why do you go to a
2: sports clips? Well, because he needs his hair sport- sportingly clipped. Yeah.
4: So they're showing video of the mm-hmm. concession stand lady— Dishing up nachos. Mm. I mean, what are the odds of that? Oh, that's the one craving that I'm right. having. Yeah, and they film somebody making that thing that I really crave. Well, many would have been
2: saying, "Hey, it seems like you're being inspired. Like this is to a prompting eat? to go get nachos, <laughs> and because you already had the prompting, and then all of a sudden the nacho ladies making nachos. Maybe you should have gone to get nachos.
4: Others might say that that was a test, and I passed. That was with the flying devil Clellers. on your shoulder,
2: and you did. And you've lost three and a half pounds. You look fantastic. Thank I God. was just telling him. That very, was just the haircut, right? No, the haircut looks great and sporty. By the way, super sporty. Clips.
4: I wondered that too when I stepped on the scale yesterday. Like maybe with that haircut, that'll push me over the edge. You did have a
2: you did have a mullet. He had that big,
5: heavy mullet.
4: It was always, really itchy. It was yeah. like Kim
5: Jong-un that? Beaufort thing going on. It was just <laughs> I like, think
4: that's Ugh. why you've been coughing so much. I think it so is. So if the hair's gone, mm-hmm. you should be good. I need a haircut then, too. A lot of Jeff Dander in the room. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> Jeff
2: Dander. Jeff Dander. Um, well, you look great. And and honestly, today, because it's
4: relaxation day, you, you shouldn't exercise today. Don't exercise. Just eat healthy and relax. I'm going to go to the movies and eat a small thing of popcorn. Ooh, I don't know, man. A little
5: self-restraint.
4: You hit your goal. Yeah, maybe just maybe no, maybe, you, maybe don't celebrate yet. You don't understand. Don't celebrate yet. You just, go to this theater. You pay $5. The popcorn is included with the ticket. I know, but... So you're saying I should just throw it directly into the trash can? No, do what everyone else does and just throw it on the floor. Okay. I am going with my two daughters, so that you know probably what, dude, will happen anyway. You are providing a job by doing that, by the way. Have, <laughs> have one of your kids get a sticky drink, like
2: a... Coke or whatever, and then pour that on the floor. Also included throw. in the
3: price okay, of the ticket. there
2: you go. Drink, pour the drink and the the popcorn on the floor, and you've got a perfect movie experience.
4: Then I'll be able to get some exercising done, because I'll be trying to get my feet up off the ground. That's right. You'll do a little Exercising work, yeah. my calves and my abs. Calves and abs. By the way, one of the greatest uh, basketball playoff games ever. Calves and abs. Also a great 80s musical duo. Oh, yeah. Calves ab- and abs. Yeah, ab, yeah, abba.
2: They were great. Uh, boy, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Kim Jong-un backing off a bit. Not, no longer going to bomb Guam. What's good. Thank heavens for
5: Guam. Well, he wasn't going to bomb Guam. He he's, he's going to bomb the ocean around Guam. Bomb Guam. Yeah. Yeah. Guam was actually going to be okay. Guam was always going to be fine. Yeah.
2: So that's good news. Um, plus, Donald Trump finally came out. President Trump finally came out uh, against... Through
5: Gritted teeth. It looked. Yeah, as he read, I mean, as he read the teleprompter.
2: Two, two days later, he he came out with a really strong rebuke and anti-Nazi Amer. What's that, what are we calling him? Anti-white
5: nationalist. White nationalists. Yeah. Wow. He also hit on the media. Talked about the economy. Yeah, the media is still bad. <laughs> is it too little, too late? Yeah,
3: pretty yeah. much. Mm.
2: So it's been it's been a busy it's been a busy day. In fact, let's get to the headlines, Terry. Find out what else is going
5: on around the country that we need to pay attention to. Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe has said one of the reasons the police failed to control the violence during the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville was because militia members at the rally were armed with better equipment than the state police themselves. It's easy to criticize, but I can tell you this. 80 percent of the people here had semi-automatic weapons. Well, wasn't 80%, but there was quite a few people Hold there. Hold 80% what? of the people had... He, he just tossed that number out, yeah. but it's not exactly that. But several members of the militia group seen wearing t- tactical gear and carrying assault rifles were marching. It looked like they just got out, just, you know, walked out of Kandahar. Okay, and good. they're all ready to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All their Great. tactical gear ready to go. McAuliffe revealed on Monday that the far-right activists had hidden caches of weapons around the city. Wow. So they were prepared for this thing to go bad. They thought this was going to get ugly, yeah. And they were going to take up, you know, defensive positions and start, I guess, taking out people. I'm not but, sure what they but, were going to do.
2: Hold it. Because wasn't there a big uh, issue a few years ago about how all of the states were getting the surplus military equipment, guns, cars? Oh, yeah. The, cars, the state police rolled tanks. their armored car down right. the street, too, yeah. Well, I know, so, yeah. So everyone was complaining back then because this makes us look like a war state. Right. But now McCullough saying... The people that showed we up. We needed a war state to fight the people that showed up for war.
5: Right. Okay, just checking. And it says, on the other side of town, counter-protesters com- uh, comprised of faith leaders, groups of Black Lives Matter, and show up for racial justice supporters, and others gathered, many of them were geared up also with shields and things to throw like water bottles. Yeah. And so, I mean, this thing just escalates on both sides. What about the days that
2: we used to just have a good poster? And we'd go, yeah. and a good chant, and the chant would threat not, you know, scare the other side, and we just chant them down.
4: Right. Oh, I what think you're talking days? about like the cat hang in there poster. No, no, that's no. a good one too, though. That's a great poster.
5: Yesterday, protesters in Durham, North Carolina, toppled a Confederate monument. Uh, the monument in, engraved with the it says the Confederate States of America depicts a Confederate soldier. Activist had previously campaigned for its removal. Protesters tied a rope around the statue and pulled it until it fell from its pedestal and bent in half. And then they started kicking it, jumping on it. The police watched. They didn't do anything because you yeah. know, there's all these people around. So they felt like it would be better to uh, well, not. They're all armed. In, well, no, these weren't oh, These, weren't these, the these were more just protesters. Okay. But they didn't want to incite anything. So it, the statue fell. The governor of North, of uh, South Carolina, this is North Carolina, the governor of North Carolina criticized the action, tweeting that the racism and deadly violence in Charlottesville is unacceptable, but there's a better way to remove these monuments than just to have a mob show up and rip it down. Yeah. It looked just like the soldiers who were toppling the Saddam Hussein statue. Yeah, that's statue. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's what we really ought to do is call in the
2: soldiers that have toppled these. They've experienced. Now they're highly trained. There's probably
5: a better, more civic oriented process to. Yeah, you call in
2: maintenance and they'll just take it down.
5: A 23 year old man arrested Friday after allegedly attempting to detonate what he believed was a 1,000 pound bomb outside a bank in Oklahoma City. Really? The Washington Post reports an undercover FBI agent had posed as an accomplice to Jerry Drake Varnell of, Okla- of uh, Sorry, Oklahoma. In the months-long investigation leading up to the FOIL plot, Varnell had wanted to attack a Federal Reserve building in Washington, D.C., the complaint says, before deciding on the Bank First Bank in Oklahoma City. He uh, allegedly wanted to minimize deaths and injuries, planning the attack for Friday evening. So he had that in mind. Well, that was nice of him. Uh, Varnell identified the bank first as the target, prepared a statement to be posted on social media after the explosion, helped assemble the device, helped load it into what he believed was a stolen van, and drove the van himself to the bank in downtown Oklahoma City, Wow! and dialed the phone number on a cell phone that he believed would trigger the explosion. Okay. All the while, the FBI had set this up, so it was a fake bomb. It wasn't a stolen van. The whole thing was controlled, but this guy thought he was doing it. So everyone was in on it, but this guy. Yeah. So they set him up. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what was what was it against the bank? What what was his problem with the bank? He wanted to do something to devastate and ha- like hamper the government. He wanted to really hurt the government. That's why he wanted to do the the bank in D.C. But he figured that'd be too yeah. much, well, so yeah. he went after this bank instead. So, so was, it, was it a federal bank? I don't know. It was just some like local. It was a bank, Wells Fargo. So that
4: was his main purpose, you know. But the money would be nice too. Well, the money's are, just a nice they're side FDIC benefit. insured, right? So he's you'd... not
5: there to rob the bank. No, he he's just de... he he is. In... He said he was inspired by Oklahoma City bomber Timothy
4: McVeigh. If you're gonna break the law, aren't oh, yeah. you gonna break several laws while you're at it? But a thousand
5: pound bomb levels the building. That's What's... what he wanted. What's it, sounds but, but, like it seems like everybody's coming out of the woodwork now. The, the problem with this type of thing I see is the FBI has done this several times with people that yeah. are, they report as ISIS sympathizers mm-hmm. or providing material support. And these people are need help. The, the, they exactly. don't need the FBI to egg them on to the point where they do something then they can arrest them and drag yeah. them out in front of the media and look what we did. We got this guy as a terrorist. You, like you can you arrest just, somebody just on the – on the planning of a, an event
2: like this, right? Okay. Sort of. You'd have to wait. For I mean, because
5: they've arrested people that simply put a post on Facebook. Yeah. And it's like, okay. That was but, Jeff, so, by the way, do you remember? Where, what? Where's the freedom of speech there when you just post on Facebook and they arrest you? Yeah, that's You haven't weird. done anything, This right? is a guy that needs help. This guy needs help, and instead they've gone in through this whole charade so they can parade him out and say, look, we stopped this horrible thing. And mm-hmm. they might be doing it around the time they're sitting in front of the Senate looking for a budget. Oh, well, that makes sense. Look, the FBI is, you know, needful. We need this now. I don't know. Okay. And uh, this story was funny. There was a, uh, over the Canadian border, U.S. Customs and Border Protection caught somebody smuggling 36,000 toy airplanes. Hold it. Really? They were counterfeit to make look, make them look like actual toys that are on the shelves, but okay. they're all fake. And there's 36,000 of them. Bringing them into the United States? From Canada.
2: Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm.
5: And they said it would have been worth uh, $575,000. And I'm looking at these things and they go, they usually, they'll like counterfeit like really popular toys. Yeah. And try to flood the market with Uh the fake ones. Uh These aren't popular. They're just like a jet airplane.
4: Was there a spinner effect? No,
5: there was no fidget spinnery, none of that going on. Were
4: they remote controlled? No,
5: I think they might have been maybe something, maybe you pull
4: them back and then let them go and they roll forward. See, those are fun, though. Those are tons of fun, hours of fun. So the guys get
5: arrested and they, they were just trying to – the the border protection, are talking about you know copyright yeah. and these fraud, fraudulent things that are hurting companies in America. And yeah. so they're stopping them at the border. But, but why I mean, would someone go through this effort for toy airplanes? Well,
2: and it seems like you could probably get a lot it, – it could get through the border a lot easier. I mean there's a lot of things you can get through the border. Yeah. I would think through the Canadian border. I mean – it seems like we're having more problems through the Mexico border. That's what you bringing hear Bringing people in trucks across yeah. and then leaving them in parking we lots. We
4: have talked about a maple wall. That's true. Yeah, when's that going up again? Uh, oh, I don't know, but doesn't a maple bar sound good? Stop it. Have you had a maple bar lately, Jeff? No. I did have some bacon this morning, though. Oh. You're on that kind of diet. You're on the diet that the, all you bacon can eat. Diet. Well, no. Just lower carbs. Mm. I haven't had a piece of – I did That's have some you bread last night. That's why you can't have popcorn night. today. I'm, I'm going to. No, it's, it's a carb, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but there's corn in it, so. Yeah, there's, corn, a and
2: starch. Corn, and there's a corn and corn chips too. Nachos.
4: <sighs> Plus it has butter on it, which is okay.
2: Butter is okay. Not, not if your wife's worried about your heart. <laughs> Anyway, um, I, I don't want to discourage you because you look fantastic. And if you could put your shirt back on, that'd be great. Uh, did you guys, you know, this eclipse thing's happening? Yes, it is. And I sent out a, um, on my Instagram, I sent out a really important message okay. to everybody that follows me on Instagram. Mm.
5: Um, the message was don't look at the eclipse, <laughs> just don't look at it. It'll fry your eyeballs. In fact, I'm going to get some glasses. Should I bring them in? Yes. Should I bring a pair in so we could all go stare at the sun? Yes, hold on. This is going to happen at 11 o'clock next week? Yes. So we'll be here.
2: Yeah, bring them in. Because right. I'm going to need to borrow those for about three minutes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Where do you get your glasses in? My ha- mom has a pair for some reason. I, I don't know that those are the same glasses. No, they are. She just she got them from somebody. She She actually found the ones we used when I was eight. Okay. Oh, the oh, you kept your last eclipse Well, she classes. did. But then she, she read somewhere where they're probably expired. Apparently there's a time limit you can actually use these where they're effective. Well, you know, you don't yeah. know until you try them. So, yeah.
4: You heard our guest, though, the other day. He said you could take a piece of cardboard and poke a hole in it and look at the shadows. Yeah, shadows. Like a crescent if you, shadow. If you want to look at the shadow of an eclipse, that'd yeah. be a great idea. Is or it, you could... Take your fingers and make, like, a little hole through your fingers and mm-hmm. do the same thing. Hold it. And yeah. then, well, shoot, then look, uh, at the look at the ground. ground. Yeah, yeah. Why can't we just watch a news watch the news coverage of it and get it in HD? It's a great plan With yeah. no glasses. Apparently, if you go to NASA.com, they just gonna have
5: cameras on it all day. I saw a post today trying to predict what the weather is going to be like. Because oh. wouldn't it be horrible? Oh. You travel, you do all this stuff, and it's cloudy. <coughs> you can't see that the sun. That would probably be my luck. Apparently, the western United States will be nice and clear. You know what, we ought to do is have a really big carbohydrate festival. You're right. While we're looking at it, we can have a Carb Monday eclipse party.
2: Bring nachos, pizza, maple bars. Right. You all right, Jeff? Show got noisy all of a sudden. Are you telling people with this song something, some subliminal message to turn around and look at the sun?
4: No. I'm. It's more of informing them that there is a total eclipse. Of the heart. Coming, yes. Ah, good stuff. There's hey. a total eclipse of my heart right now because I can't eat all the foods that I love. Oh, but you look great again. Your ab is
2: totally shaping up. That is one tip-top shaped ab you've got. We, uh, we've got a great guest coming up. We're going to be talking healthcare up next. Why is it so darn complicated? And, and did, you know, do the senators actually just make it more complicated? Anyway, JB Silvers, uh, former president and CEO of a health insurance company, is going to be talking to us uh, about uh, healthcare up next. There's
3: nothing I can do, a total eclipse of the heart.
2: Health insurance and how you feel it should be administered has quickly been added to the list of no-no's that you should not talk about at work. Have you noticed that? Why does something so simple seem so complicated? Well, here to speak with us today, maybe to help us sort through some of the complications of the healthcare discussion, is former president and CEO of a health insurance company, and now a professor of healthcare finance at Case Western Reserve University, J.B. Silvers. J.B., thank you so much for being with us today. Great. Glad to be here. So what I find weird, and you brought it up in your article, is it's this idea that we're buying healthcare uh, services. Um, we're paying for them today, services that we may use in the future. We may not. Hopefully we don't need to. But in a way, it's almost so transactional. It's like buying a car, but I also am forced to buy a car with a bunch of features I don't want.
6: Well, it's it's a terrible product to sell. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're taking money away from people up front, and then they have to fight to get it back when they actually need it.
3: Cause
6: mm. You do this kind of evaluation; it's just not good. That's that's one side. On the other is you're buying something you think you're just paying for the services in healthcare, but what you're really paying for is access to a whole bunch of things that you hope you'll never use.
3: It's that, true. That's
6: not a that, that's not a great product to sell.
2: <laughs> and it is. I mean, yeah, you've and you've been in the healthcare industry. I mean, and I guess too that it's created a lot of enemies. The haves versus the have-nots kind of mentality um, is. Do you think when we we got into uh, Obamacare and kind of the the initiative? I mean, it, the H C H A C H A H C A. I mean, I guess the idea was to help. Everybody be able to be insured, but did when when the government gets involved, does it does it turn into a bigger mess?
6: Well, politically, yeah. If you can just look at what we've been through here, uh, both seven years ago with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, and recently with the repeal and replace thing, it's very politically loaded. Um, you know, partly for a whole bunch of other purely political reasons, but also because insurance is really complicated. It's just not straightforward. But I think the key thing that I pointed out in this article is it's because we tend to think of buying a commodity, a service thing we can actually understand rather than buying access. Uh, And when you just buy access to something you may or may not use, it's much more complicated
2: do how, how how do we normally buy access to something I mean because again if we, yeah if, we, if we're putting down a payment this is almost like a I mean these are big payments car payments um, yeah. th- this this is a big payment how would we normally or how would you propose we would we should do it uh, to buy access versus actually um, buying a service
6: well the, the problem is is it's a, it's a classic finance problem we when you don't know something, you've got a lot of uncertainty about what you're going to spend. Then you have some real difficulty. How do you put a price on something that you really don't know how much you're going to need? You, you go to the doctor and you don't know what's wrong. They give you a diagnosis and then they make some recommendations and some things happen. You don't know how much it's going to cost. You don't know where that's going to lead. You really are, you don't know what the product is. That's mm. the whole problem. Um, so what I have to do is is have a precautionary way to approach this thing. And this is really I think in the broad scheme of finance, is really an important evolutionary thing in how humans have dealt with this problem of uncertainty. Um it used to be that <clears throat> when the farmer plants the plants the field, if there's a good crop he lives fine. If there's a, a drought he, he he starves. Yeah. You know. Well, we found out how to do crop insurance. We sort of got an idea how to spread that risk across other people, and it allowed us to do some things that we just couldn't have done from a society point of view. So we sort of get it you
3: know, mm-hmm.
6: uh, with things like crop insurance or, or uh, casually, my house might catch on fire. But some, But there, there's a real event. With health care, it's this unknown event. That's a, I, I don't know how much I'm going to use. I don't know when I'm going to need it. I don't know what kind of services are going to be. I don't even know where I'm going to go for this. It might be in some other part of the world when it happens. It's true. But it's really, really a tough one. Well, and I guess
2: too, you've got, and this is probably the one of the big reasons why you don't have everyone signing up for it too. Is it, I mean, it, healthcare means something completely different to a twenty year old than it does a seventy year old. And so all of a sudden it the the risks are different, the needs are different, the expectations are different. Um so is, is that part of the problem is we're not getting everyone equally into the pool anyway.
6: Oh that's exactly what the problem is. The 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 difficulty is you you need to have everybody in uh to even out the pool. Uh, we used to use something called community rating. You walked into your local blue cross plan and they wrote through a policy. It was the same policy everybody else had, and it spread the risk equally. And it worked really pretty well. But two things happened, and the cost of care kept going up, partly because we were financing it. We were able to provide more and more services. And secondly, because we created competition so that commercial insurance companies could come in and take away the easy risk, the low-risk people, the young people, people in low-risk industries, leaving the pool for the Blue Cross plans to have only the sick people. Well, that's that's like selling fire insurance to arsonists. You know? <laughs> You're <laughs> right. not going to be in business very long if you do that. You have to have everybody in the pool to make it work. And that's why the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, put in a mandate. <clears throat> said you really have to buy insurance. And that's very unpopular. Americans don't like to be told what to do. <laughs>
2: right. But, but I guess – but they do want to be able to show up at a hospital when they are sick, even if they haven't paid, and be able to get care. Get
1: care.
6: Well, and, and the, first, the first attempt at dealing with that particular problem was that every hospital has to accept whoever shows up at the door and stabilize them.
3: Right. The words
6: they use. So you know you can go to the ER, and they're going to take care of you. Uh, and, and the hospital then just has to eat that cost. Well, they don't eat the cost; they charge other people more, so commercial insurance companies pay about your employer pays about thirty percent more for care to help crops so cross subsidize those people that otherwise wouldn't be insured hmm. and that's one reason why business by and large accepted and supported the Affordable Care Act because they sort of knew that yeah uh, small business didn't didn't get on board, but small big business did. So, the more you cover, the better off the rest of the people are that are out there buying insurance. Um, the trouble is we just screwed up the implementation pretty badly on this.
2: is that what happened yeah. is it's just we didn't i mean it's it's a great idea we just didn't we just didn't implement it right
6: Well, there are a couple of things one you mentioned the pricing um, the law said that the highest price policy can only be three times the lowest price policy in in premiums, mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it really ought to be about five to one to be actuarially fair. Um, young people use about twenty percent of the cost of old people, it, and so that has to be reflected in the premiums. They they uh, they basically jimmied it so that young people wound up paying more and, young, and old people less. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> that leads to a little bit of an actuarial problem. So,
2: yeah, but JB, the old people are the ones that are voting.
6: Yeah, they vote, yeah, but that's not really the reason they I, wanted to try to – well, maybe it is the reason. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but but because of that, they had more trouble signing young people up. Right. Just just from a price point of view. But secondly, uh, young people are, are immortal. Don't we know that? Right, you know, exactly. They're never going to need health care. So if you think you can predict your own health status better than somebody else, then you, you hedge against that. You, you you avoid that care. Um and, and so on the one hand, you have people who think they are not going to use health care that don't want to be in it. On the other hand, you have people that know they're going to need health care that definitely do want to get into it. And so we have this bias built in. Um, the Affordable Care Act had a bunch of things in it to try to deal with that, and they did a reasonably good job with that, trying to do risk adjustments What's the fancy word for that. But then Congress came along and said, "Well, we're not going to do that because that's a bailout of the insurance company." Hmm. <laughs> so they, 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 the, the the first few years, the insurance companies were supposed to be getting a substantial amount of money for this risk stabilization, yeah. risk stabilization fund. Well, Congress uh, basically reneged on their deal and paid them twelve cents of the dollar, uh, and the insurance companies then said, "Hold it." That wasn't the deal we signed on for. You mean I'm going to have to bear that extra risk? Well, fine. Then 20% premium increase to bear to cost that, and we're going through that right now this year, because there's a thing called these uh, cost-sharing subsidies, cost-sharing reductions. Yeah. That for really poor people that have no money, they can't afford the high copays and deductibles. The amount of cost-sharing that's built into those, so. The Feds are supposed to subsidize the insurance company for that amount for really low-income people. That's what Trump is holding hostage in the Senate or the House Republicans have filed suit about. And because of the threat of that going away, the insurance company is still on the hook for it. Hmm. But without the subsidy, they're stuck. So they got to build that in their rates for next year. So rates are going to go up another 20% next year as a result of that and Those so all both let me make sure,
2: let me make sure i got this right jb so supposedly so the government and the insurance companies uh were supposedly going to work together to create a health care program mm-hmm. um and the health insurance companies were going to be subsidized to make sure that they they took the disproportionate amount of risk um and, and manage the risk imbalance um and now, over time, the, the risk has become too great for insurance companies. So either, I guess, they're pulling out of the whole market altogether, or some are just raising premiums.
6: Yeah. yeah. In anticipation of not getting paid,
2: Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Because I, I, a lot of people I heard, J.B., are saying this is a boon for insurance companies. Insurance no. companies love this because they're making so much money on it. But you cl- clarify that for us
6: no they're not the average insurance company makes about uh, a 3 to 5% margin very low what people get confused about is there's a thing called the medical loss ratio it's a terrible terminology but what it means is how much of the eat do- every dollar premium they collect they actually pay out for medical expenses yeah and and by the, the ACA the, that in this market this individual market that used to be completely out of whack. You had many, many individual insurance policies that paid out 50 cents on the dollar, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. Well, the ACA said, no, you can't do that. If you sell to these people, you got to spend at least 80% of that on on medical costs. Hmm. And if you don't, if you, if you get if you spend less than that, you got to give it back as a rebate. Got to give it back to people. It was a really important part of the bill that nobody talks about. But because uh, the first few years, because of all this stuff, that medical loss ratio was the other direction. Oh, yeah. We're actually losing money on these policies. Finally this year, they've got their rates roughly in line, and they're actually beginning to make a little bit of money on these things, independent of all this nonsense going on that we're playing with right now. So this year, the market probably, by most people's standards, would have stabilized. Hmm. And we would have had a pretty good uh, equilibrium here after a lot of chaos of the first three years. But now Congress is playing games, and President Trump is playing games with the uh, cost-sharing reductions. And so we're off off on the battle again of trying to figure out, well, how much risk am I actually bearing here? Hmm. You know, how big does the premium have to be? And yeah. And they don't – they have until September 5th to finalize that number. So get ready because we're going to see – we are seeing now huge increases across the country and probably some more people dropping out of the market.
2: Boy, oh, boy. Well, and then again, yeah, and then, then we do it all again. With supposedly some other bill. JB, let's take a break. Again, we're speaking with Dr. JB Silvers. He is a, a professor of healthcare finance and banking at uh, Weatherhead School of Management um, with a joint appointment in the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. And he's walking us through this complicated issue of healthcare. Why is it so complicated? What are some of the business uh, points behind it? Uh, who's really suffering? Why are premiums going up? Helping us understand it, making sense of the complicated. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: I walk through the streets.
4: You work here. Don't you want good insurance? Don't need it. Never been sick. Perfect
5: immune system. Okay, well, if you've never been sick, then you don't have any antibodies. I don't need them
1: superior genes. I'm a shrewd, And superior brain power. Through concentration, I can raise and lower my cholesterol at well.
3: Why would you want to raise your cholesterol?
1: So I can lower it.
2: (laughs) Dwight Schrute from The Office. Uh, That's a great episode where Dwight Schrute was put in charge of um, sorting through all the healthcare needs of everybody in The Office. But of course, if you can if you can ri- raise and lower your uh, your um, what's it called cholesterol levels, then all of a sudden you've got different needs in the healthcare world than maybe those around you. Uh, anyway, today we're talking healthcare and the Affordable Care Act and the complications of it. Why is it so complicated? What really uh, is creating the complication? Joining us is Dr. J. B. Silvers and. Um, JB is, a, is, a, is the John R. Mannix Medical Mutual of Ohio Professor of Healthcare Finance and Professor of Banking and Finance at the Weatherhead School of Management with a joint appointment in the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. JB, again, thank you for being with us. Great. Good to be here. Now, here's. Did you like that Dwight Schrute moment? Oh,
6: if we, if we could all be Dwight, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> wouldn't that be great
2: to just have that confidence, especially in the in the Affordable Care Act? Um, why? Here's a crazy thing. Why do we get our insurance through our companies anyway? Like it well, seems like. Question. Don't you think like that's a weird. I mean, it seems like maybe we should get it through the government or we should just be doing it on our own. So it's our own decision. It's not tied to our income. It's not tied to all these other benefits.
6: Well, almost everybody else in the world does it that way. Ours is um, an artifact of the wage price controls during World War II. Oh, <laughs> really? It or not. Yeah, we had. We started off with, um, uh, in fact, John Armanix, the guy that you're yeah. named after, used to run Blue Cross in Cleveland. And he told me that um, when he got there, he had he, he had people coming to him, people that are running companies, and say, you know, I need machinists to be able to fill these World War conflict, uh, contracts, and I can't get any. Could you design the biggest, fanciest healthcare package that you can come up with so I can use that to attract machinists because I can't pay them anymore? Hmm. They wage price controls. So basically – The World War Two is what set this thing off. Then the unions figured out, hey, this is pretty good bargaining, so they started bargaining for it and uh, got really fat packages. So once it became instituted, then uh, and then along the way, the the IRS, the tax people said, oh yeah, and you can use that as a tax deductible expense, Mm. Mr. Employer, but Mr. Employee, you don't have to report that as income, so that's tax free. So there's enormous. Oh
2: wow. Because th- th- this gets into it, doesn't it? Because the IRS, well, is, aren't they the ones that are...
6: Middle-class welfare, no no question about it. No, it really, yeah. It's right up there with a the home deduction, you know, in terms of in terms of loss of tax revenue. And, and so it, it just makes economic sense to buy. From everybody's point of view, I want to compensate my employees, give them tax-free income. Terrific. I want to get health care coverage, give me a benefit that I don't have to pay for. That's wonderful. So you can understand why it took off.
3: mm um, yeah, and, but, yeah,
6: And it wasn't a bad in some ways because this is a natural group. So everybody that's employed, old, young, sick, well, whatever, they all get it. So you've got a natural group, and you've leveled out all these ups and downs here just the way an insurance pool. So most people in the country are getting coverage through their employer, but it's not insurance. The insurance is what's called self-insured. They pay the bottom line uh, fee each year, cost directly, uh, and Edna or anybody else who's write, writes these things, you have that card in your wallet. It looks like you're insured, but you're not. They're just doing the claims processing.
2: Interesting. So we have a yeah.
6: really strange system here.
2: Well, and it seems to be confusing, right? Because I, I'm even I'm paying it out of my uh, my check, but it feels Absolutely. like my company's doing it. So it's almost it, well, it almost doesn't feel as um, it doesn't feel as 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 difficult as you know having to write a check a, another check to the government or someone.
6: Well, until the last few years, you didn't even know how much they were paying. Finally, they had to start disclosing on your paycheck. So you look at the little stub at the bottom. It says how much the company is paying in extra benefits, huh. how much you're paying, and then how much they're paying. You didn't get that other part before, so you <laughs> didn't even know what the subsidy was.
2: Unbelievable. Well, and it also <laughs> seems like it's complicated as well because. It, when you hear about the the um, the Congress and and legislators, they're up there moving Medicare money, Medicaid money. They're moving all of these other subsidies around, getting and 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 using some of that money to pay for ACA. Is have we stirred it up so in such a complicated way now that, that it does need to be repealed just to start again? And, or, or is this something that can actually
1: be fixed?
6: Oh, I, number one, this, the, the part we've been talking about so far, about the individual market, is a really small part of the whole pie. <clears throat> so this is the part of the health insurance business that was clearly broken. Uh, but it's only about no, probably less than 5% of the people are engaged in this individual market. Most of the coverage comes from government, Medicare and Medicaid. Second biggest comes from it from employers. And then this last little tiny piece is what we buy as individuals, uh, individual entrepreneurs or whoever it might be. It's a really small part of the pie, but it was completely broken. It just didn't work well at all. So this was basically an attempt to at the ACA to take people that had lousy coverage and give them something that looks like, and they, they ape this, they modeled it after what a major company would give it, be giving their employees. But then they added on top of it and said, but it has to be affordable. So affordable doesn't mean the premium. It means the net out of pocket. So they defined affordable as a percentage of your income. It's right there in the legislation. Hmm. Um, if you're just above the poverty level, affordable is 2% of your income. That's all you're going to pay out of pocket. If you're higher income, uh, uh, it can go up to 9.5% of your income. Now, that that, that was a, a, a definition built right in the law of what affordable meant. And what it meant then was that the difference between what the company had to have to be actuarially sound and what was affordable was the subsidy. We backed into what the subsidies were to make it affordable. So the irony of what's going on now is that with Congress and the the president playing games with this, driving up insurance rates the way they are for these individuals, the people that don't have the subsidies are going to get priced out of the market, particularly since they don't – they're not enforcing the mandate. Mm -hmm. And the people that are getting subsidies are going to do just just fine, thank you, because affordable hasn't changed for them. Their, Their income hasn't gone up. So the difference is going to be eaten up in larger subsidies. So the government is sitting there shooting themselves in the foot,
3: And, it, and creating
6: it, chaos and yeah. driving yeah. prices and driving premiums up, and then they're going to make those premiums good in terms of more subsidies. It's just crazy. That's it. Then they it's just put system.
2: their finger on the scale, right, and then throw $8 billion more at it.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well, more than eight. I mean, by the time you add this up, it's going to be many more
2: billions. Oh. So, so... Uh, again it's a complicated issue because then it's funny too because people don't trust the institutions anymore it doesn't seem like we don't trust the government we don't trust the irs to check to see if we're all on board we don't trust the insurance companies for heaven's sakes they're the ones that are milking all of us. we don't trust even the hospitals anymore i mean so how do you solve a problem with so many hands in the
6: cookie jar (laughs) well uh if you're, if you're uh, a Republican, a right wing or rep- more of a right wing Republican, you believe the free market can do it. The free market can do it, everybody having skin in the game, uh, everybody paying a portion of what they have to pay. I mean, those are all sort of key market based principles right. that, in general, work pretty well. The trouble is, in this marketplace, there's a lot of, lot of problems. Part of it is the trust issue. Part of it is the fact that there's so many side payments going on and special arrangements. Part of it is consolidation. We basically have uh, relatively few providers in each in each area now, so there's the competitive model is, is far less possible to, to actually bring off. Right, so we have monopolies. So there are a whole bunch of problems with this. But the irony is that most of the Republican counter proposals still depend on private companies insurance companies to compete with each other very much like the affordable care act expects them to compete with each other yeah and they and they both have this fundamental flaw that it's hard to make competition work in healthcare
2: yeah we've got about 1 minute jb let me just ask you i've had uh, other people on the show before that maybe what could help the 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 market would be to create uh, to keep everything as it is. Let the competition continue between the markets, maybe bolster them or whatever. But then add a single payer system as well, so the government's also paying uh, and, and basically offers their own version that uh, there would be lower incomes. All of the subsidized monies would go through that pro- that program and and simplify the market.
6: It's not a bad idea. Uh, part of the reason to do that, and, and there are many proposals out there to do that, Medicare for all or something of that sort. Yeah. But they, uh, there's actually a bill in now to let Medicare go down to age 55 and let people buy into it. Uh, presumably, if they're low income, they would then have a government subsidy to help them pay for that. Right. You can't have the same premiums. So it's a, it's a feasible thing. Could be done. Uh, you could let them buy into Medicaid, too. So some people are, have advocated that. Uh, but, again, we're only talking about this small yeah. slice of individuals here. It's not the rest. So people listen to this program that have, uh, have employer-sponsored insurance or, or Medicare, they shouldn't worry because this nobody's messing around with those things. Those are all pretty solid. And, by the way, the premiums are coming in at really reasonable rates this year. Hmm. They're not going up at 20 or 30%. The underlying healthcare cost is is in the area of four or five percent increase a year. It's reasonable. Yeah. And and premiums are reflecting that. So it's just this one slice that's all screwed up, and it's screwed up partly because it's just a real tough market, and partly because of the, the health policy people haven't been able to get their act together in Congress. Of course. Of course.
2: <laughs> well, JB, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for your great work uh, again, JB Silvers is uh president and uh, former president and ceo of a health insurance company and also professor of health care finance at case western reserve university uh we honor we uh, we appreciate his work it's it's a complicated issue and uh, we wanted to just bring you some more answers what's going on is it uh, is it as chaotic as we all think it is or you know is, is that what's going on in our with our legislators do they just complicate it trying to you know smoke and mirrors us who knows Anyway, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Welcome back, friends. You know, you think it's confusing uh, to understand our healthcare world. Try being a stray dog in India. Near the Kasadi River. No, thanks. Stray dogs are turning blue after drinking and washing in water from an Indian river used to dump industrial waste. The uh, handfuls of da- blue dogs are turning heads on the streets of Mumbai, local animal protection officers report. Their change has apparently been linked to pollution in a local river where the animals swim and look for food. Industrial waste is being pumped into the Kasadi River in Navi, Mumbai, next to the Maharashtra state, western, uh, state capital in western India. So the dogs go in there, they go in white, they go in whatever color, and they come out blue. I mean, you got to be thinking, what's going on? If, if you're just some senior citizen in the middle of Mumbai and a blue dog walks by, what are you thinking? It's what? over. Something's happening. It's all over. That darned eclipse is done turning <laughs> these dogs blue. That's exactly how they would sound in India (laughs) as well. That's exactly. That's uh, translated to English. Um, Anyway, lucky. uh, Just consider yourself lucky. You could be, you know, swimming in a river, coming out blue. Not pretty. Uh, Trying to find you some, some good in the world, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio. Good morning,
2: friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, joined, of course, by Terry South and uh, Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Jeff's on the keyboard Terry will be doing a little guitar today A little bass guitar I'll be uh, singing Locked and loaded Ready to party Happy relaxation day Today's the day you slow down You breathe You relax In through your nose Out through your mouth Now And cough (laughs) Relaxation day is all about winding down Imagine you're sitting on a beach The waves are slowly working their way in. How did you know there was a beach in this video? Because this is my mindfulness, relaxation, and meditation CD. Okay. I do this every morning and three times in the afternoon. Sometimes during the show. Twice during the show. (laughs) Do you feel like you're more relaxed now? You can do this. This is just all you got to do is go to Google, look up relaxing music, put on your bathing suit. Get your hammock out.
4: Why? What? Hmm? Why get in your bathing suit to jump in a hammock? Well, you're on the ocean. You're by the ocean. Oh, I see. In your mind. In your mind. Oh. Anyway. In your mom's mind. (laughs) What's my mom got to do with
3: this?
4: (laughs) That
2: is so rude. We've got so much to cover today, folks. Holy cow. And um, we're going to be talking. We'll be doing some empty news with Jeff. Uh, We'll be leading us in, in the empty news. And uh, we'll be talking bubble wrap. A man arrested for driving with two stolen lampposts on his car. Yeah. I mean One you could understand. One, yeah. Yeah. But you drive by a cop and he's like, hey, is that two lampposts? You're beyond your limit there. Hey, pal. Where'd you get your lampposts? I just found them. They were just right there by my car. I was just going to go look for the owners. Yeah. Busted. Tase him. So, um... Tase it. Ow. It's so, you know, there's nothing worse than getting tased when you're holding a lamppost because they conduct electricity like crazy. Yeah, they do. Speaking of conducting electricity, um, w- there's been a lot of storms coming through this valley.
4: We were in the hot tub when there was some lightning the other night, and uh, my wife said, I think maybe we should get out. Your wife is so smart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because if it was if it was up to you, I have a feeling you would have just kept soaking, probably, and then fried like a little what like a little scone in an oil cooker.
4: Another thing I can't eat right now.:
2: Oh that's right, you're on your special diet. by the way, you look great. you're losing I think I've, I think today you've already lost a half a pound just
4: as just standing there. Yeah, I have not sat down yet. Have you? Not sitting down. It's That's That's funny, I haven't, stand, I haven't stood up all day.
2: I just go right from my car in my studio chair. Terry pushes me around. Such a great day. We'll be covering all of that empty news. Today, also, we're going to be talking about the sense of style grammar rules that we break and the ones we shouldn't. There are certain grammar rules. I break every grammar rule there is. Sue me. I'm a doctor, for crying out loud. I can't, be, I can't do everything.
5: I can't do grammar and save your marriage. But you think the fact that you can say I'm a doctor can yeah. justify anything and get you out of anything. Oh,
4: sure. All right. Yeah.
2: It's just how it works. Someday when you're a doctor, you can do it, too.
4: Okay. Well, I'll keep working. You know, you know what kind of doctor you are? Doctor of love. Hmm. I think that you are one of those one or two doctors that doesn't approve a certain product. You know those commercials like eight out of ten doctors agree? They call me the anomaly. You are one of those doctors that never agrees. Mm
2: -hmm. Eight out of ten doctors agree that you should brush your teeth regularly. Not me. (laughs) Why? In a few years, you won't have teeth. You can just soak your
4: other teeth, your new teeth. You need that time desperately. Mm -hmm. You also need somebody to be the other 20%. There should be an opposition in all things. You're the opposition. Thank you. No, you're the opposition. See, I just opposed you. Your mom's the
2: <laughs> Keep bringing up my mom. Sorry. Your mom? Them is fighting words. Yeah, that's rude. Very rude. We'll get to all of that fun uh, straight ahead. Plus, of course, um, man celebrates the end of an evacuation because of wildfire with fireworks. Of course. How else would you? I mean, once, once they finally put out the fire on your mountain—
4: the next thing you know, you're lighting fireworks again. Well, if the fire was efficient, there would be nothing left to burn. Right. I'm guessing you'd go home and either go to sleep or take a shower because you've been away for so long. That's one thing you do. And we would have nachos and do a major
2: carb load. Oh. That's what we did. But we're not on a carb, uh, anti-carb diet. I mean, we, I'm not. Terry, are you? Uh, no, not okay. currently. Yeah, no, no. No. So just I guess Jeff is. So you'll have to find another way to celebrate, Jeff. Maybe fireworks. I'll eat some
4: cauliflower. Mmm, cauliflower rice. I do have some of that in my fridge right now. It's good. It's good stuff. You know what you ought to try to do? Just cover it
2: in
5: cheese. It's Put bacon bits on it. It's almost oh, yeah. like I having... can do that.
4: I can do that.
5: You can make a pizza crust out of it. Mm, That's true. That's <laughs> really good. After my wife said so out pretty good.
2: Boy. Uh, that's the that's the cooking segment of the Matt Townsend Show. Just covered that right there. Let's get now to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country we should be paying attention
5: to? On Monday, Texas A&M University canceled a white nationalist rally scheduled for September 11th, citing safety concerns. Texas A&M supports uh, their support, the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. Cannot be questioned, the university said in a statement. However, in this case, circumstances and informed information relating to the event have changed. And the risks of threat to life and safety compel us to cancel the event. White Lives Matter rally organizer told the Texas Tribune he signed up for the rally on campus in a free speech area, and he hadn't been told it was <clears throat> off. He goes, I guess my lawyers will now be suing the state of Texas. Is, is hate speech free speech? Uh, apparently. Wow, so they're going to have a, a rally? Yeah. A okay. White Lives Matter rally. Okay. Just checking. Now, it was called off because people on Facebook were claiming they were going to show up with weapons. Well, yeah. And, I mean, it's Texas. Every, I mean, everyone shows up to a rally with a weapon. They show up to Denny's with a weapon. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so, yeah, the school was like, ah, but no, not here. You can probably do that somewhere else. You don't need to do that here. And it was actually um, it was a <laughs> member of uh, a representative of the state legislature who announced this. It wasn't the school. Oh. So the state reviewed it and went, no. You're not not going to go on campus with guns and after what happened over the weekend. No. So that's been called off. An influential neo Nazi website had its domain registration revoked twice in less than 24 hours and moves that threatened to take it offline if it does not find a replacement for uh, its uh, website. It was going through uh, GoDaddy.com and Google. Google has a bunch of uh, web services, and they uh, didn't want them there either. Both said the site had violated the terms of service. GoDaddy, Inc. disclosed late on Sunday via Twitter it had given the hate website 24 hours to move its domain to another provider, saying it had violated the terms of service. The white supremacist website associated with alt-right movement helped organize the weekend rally in Charlottesville. Hmm. That turned turned violent with the violence that occurred over the weekend. The company believed uh, they could not be involved with a site that could be inciting violence. We don't want to be involved. So the, the uh, neo-Nazis responded by moving the registration to Alphabet Inc.'s Google Domains, which offers transfers through an automated online process that the internet company says takes about 20 minutes or less to compete. So you don't have to call anybody, talk to anybody, get approval. You just hit, okay, and give them some money, and then they just automatically do Boom, it. Boom, Well, less than an hour later, Google looked at it and went, wait a second, you can't be on our servers either. Get out of here. You little trickster. Also, they shut down their YouTube page. Oh, so. Wow. See, that's. And it's all these terms of services where hate, violence, those types of things are not allowed on their service. And so, goodbye. That's the new, you know, that's the new government protection. Not government, but company protection. Now they'll just shut down your website. And so the question is where are white supremacists supposed to go to have their websites? Mumbai. Mumbai? Mumbai. Could be. Uh, there was an article in the LA Times over the weekend about how uh, many companies are, are having this. When you have like Twitter and Facebook, social media has basically shut, tried to shut them down as much as possible. So they're going to just very obscure social media sites to be able to continue having the communication. Airbnb has shut down any operation involving any what there was a lot really? of people trying to go to Charlottesville and they realized and they needed an Airbnb. They realized and they started doing some connections and finding these people who were looking for an Airbnb but they were going to the rally and they you can't use their service if this is what you're doing. Wow. So it's getting to the point where they can't do anything when it comes to an online service officially, so they're trying to find ways and what they're doing is creating their own services. So there's a service called Patreon a lot of uh, blogs and podcasts use it to generate funds from their users. Okay. If you like my product, give me a couple bucks to support what you're reading or what you're listening to. And the white supremacists are using it to support their cause. Oh. Patreon, again, terms and services. You can't do hate and violence yeah. and all this stuff, so they block them. They've cre- and so white supremacists have created a site called Hatreon. Oh,
3: sounds hmm. beautiful. And so you can mm. donate
5: money through Patreon. I hate your message. I love your hateful message so much so, that I'm going to give you money. They're creating their own online economy, online infrastructure wow. to support what they're doing because the rest of the the internet doesn't want to support them and what they're doing. Wow. Now all of a
2: sudden, though, like Al-Qaeda, yeah. ISIS, these guys, they're all going to get involved and
5: then they'll be on Patreon. Patreon. Boy, what's happening? Fun stuff. Um, finally. Yes, uh. We know that our names may influence just about every avenue of our lives. Where we live, the school courses we enroll in, the grades we achieve, the jobs we choose, the jobs we get called back for. You go to an interview, if they don't like your name, maybe they just toss you out. Yeah. Uh, how far we go in those jobs, who we love, and uh, where we donate money. Now there's evidence that our names may also affect the way we look. Hold on, what? Our names may affect the way we look. That, that doesn't make sense. The theory is that when a child receives a first name, it's already so loaded with stereotypes, for better or worse, those social (laughs) pressers weigh on the name wearer, influencing their perception of themselves, and in turn, the development of their appearance. So, for instance, if you give your baby a happy-sounding name, like Joy, that... This says she may develop special facial or specific facial traits, like certain smile lines Come on. that fit the stereotype in the culture that is set for joy. There's been study on this. It's out of Paris. Yeah,
2: don't believe it. The that.
5: study, of the so-called face name effect, didn't occur when participants looked at photos of people from different cultures. So what they did is they lined up a bunch of pictures of yeah. people, and they said one of these one of these people is their, their name is Joy. Okay. Fine. Who do you think this by looking just at their faces, whose name is Joy? That's a croc.
4: And uh, let's see here. <laughs> it's a crock. So, so you're telling me. I'm sorry, it, it, that's Le Croc.
5: Le Croc. Study participants sh- uh, should pick the correct name approximately 25% of the time, just by chance. What well, they found is. If was there's a, four names, you would have a 25% what, chance. <laughs> I, it says what they found, those participants typically chosen the depicted person's true first name 35 to 40% ah, of the time. Ah,
2: see, they're gifted.
5: In other words, there is something about, uh, and they used in this, the word, the name Emily, that just that person looks like an Emily. Or does that person fall in the age range where Emily
2: was
4: the dominant name?
2: Like, okay, so you're telling me if a boy's name is
4: Chuck. Yeah. It would be Charles. But you're going to open a, a buffet.
2: You're going to look at him and you're going to be like, oh, my heavens, that guy looks like a Chuck roast or a Chuck grandma, a, a Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't buy
5: that. So what they did was uh, they put down the picture. They said, they "Say the woman's name was Emily." But uh, below the, her, the the image, four possible first names are listed: Claire, Deborah, Emily, and Melissa. Assuming that the first mm. names are equally common in North America in and around that year that she, the person was born, as yeah. you're saying, the year it matters. Study participants should pick correctly twenty because there's four, four options. Uh, exactly, but they are seeing thirty-five to forty percent success wow. in picking the name. So Again, the name- they said that person looked like an Emily.
2: Okay, what does Jeff
5: look like? Chuck,
2: yeah. Jeff looks like a Chuck.
5: Yeah.
4: So how would I'm, I know if it's I Jeff look like or a like Chuck. A Chuck? Yeah. Oh.
5: So is that real? Is this real science? I, that it seems. It seems like fake science. Mm. Fake news to me. So you don't think that you people look like their names? Well, do I look like a Matt? I don't know what that means. I, I, that's I, why i Do you look question. like a Terry? No. Well no. It's Not my name, but. Do you look like a Terrell? No. Is it Terrell or Terrell? It's Terrell. Terrell. It's Terrell. Terrell. It's a family name. It's a family name. But you don't look like a Terrell to me. That will die with me. I was told this name needed to die with me. Who told you that? Your wife? My father, who's Terrell Sr. Oh. The- <laughs> so he gave
4: you the name out of obligation No, my then? mom gave me the did name. Your na-
2: did your son, did you name your
5: your son, does he have Terrell in no. the name anywhere? My father asked me, please don't. Let it die with Let you. Let it die with me. And he you, didn't say you were- die with me, but essentially that was the sentiment.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah.
5: I mean, you'd think he'd want you to keep the name going. Yeah, He wasn't really a fan of it, <laughs> mainly because every time someone saw it, they go, is that Terrell or Terrell? By the <laughs> way, because some traditions that our parents and
2: grandparents have started, they ought to stop. Right. Some traditions just need to end, mm. like that name. Not your name. Yeah. I think it sounds it fits you. But I don't think you look like a Terry or a Terrell oh. or a Terrell. Yeah. Jeff totally looks like a Jeff, though. Does
5: he really? And a Chuck. And a Chuck. Uh-huh. He's, one of, he's got one of those faces. Yeah, he does. A, I don't know. A, I don't know if I buy this science. But you, the people can look at a face and pick out the name that goes with it.
3: Uh, or remember, are we just dealing with chance?
2: Well, and when we're naming this baby, what's the face? That It's a baby's face. Yeah. That's true. And then it turns into an adult face. But do you take
5: on traits because of
2: your name? Well, okay, yes, because my name, Matthew, means gift from God. Hmm. And I've, you know. See, but my name
4: means God of thunder. Ooh, well, that makes sense. I've (laughs) mentioned (laughs) that we were on the fence about what to call my son. Yeah. And then it's a very, you know, masculine name when he was born in the lobby. No. Stasislav. When he was born in the lobby and when he refused to take a pacifier, I knew that we had chosen the right name. Which was chirp?
2: What's his name? Stas, Stan, Stan.
4: Wrong. Stas.
2: Stas. It's Stas. Sort of. Stas is sloth. Kind of. What's his name is Stas. Rhymes with sauce. Slas. Stas. I, didn't I say that? Stas. No, you said Stas. Oh, it's yeah. Well, I was just trying to make it.
4: We almost different. named him Stas Al Ghul. Ooh. Yeah, that would have been. I would have been really in support of that. Does one. he look like a ghoul? No. It's not that kind of cool. Okay. Uh, Stas. He's the leader
5: of it's the Stas uh, Stas League of Shadows. Batman fights them often. Okay. Irrelevant data
4: point. No, no. Actually, it really He was portrayed by Liam Neeson, but you're led to believe that it's actually Ken Watanabe. See? Again, more information none of our listeners needed to know. But, but they're better for it, though. Are they? I believe so. I feel better now that we've discussed it.
2: Uh, Stas. That's a great name. That's a very manly name. Staz? Staz. Snaz. Slaz. It's Staz. 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 Rhymes with sauce. Staz. There you go. You'll get it at some point. Let me just tell you, if it's this hard for me, your kid's going to have a very long life.
4: But he's manly. I don't think it's going to bother him. He is manly, and he doesn't use a... He doesn't use a binky. No
5: pacifier
2: for him. Mm-hmm. And you should have just named him Lobby. Lobby. Nice.
4: Where he's born. Lobby floor. Lobby one canabi. Hey, now you are learning, my son.
2: Thank you. <sighs> Up next, folks, we will uh, be revisiting an interview we did on the topic of grammar rules—the ones we can break, the ones we shouldn't. That's all straight ahead right here on the Matt Townsend Show. And that's why I think it's a good
3: time To learn some grammar what? Now did I stammer Work on that grammar You should know it It's less it's fewer oh, yeah. Like
2: people who were You know, often we make grammatical errors without any idea that we've made a mistake. Our guest today is Steven Pinker, professor in the Department of Psychology at Harvard University and author of The Sense of Style, The Thinking Person's Guide to Writing in the 21st Century. We had him on the show a few months back, and I, I began the interview by pointing out that I give a lot of public speeches. My, you know, my grammar is quite uh, – it's, it's, it's horrible. Let's just put it that way. But I push through it with a personality. What does it matter about grammar if our personality pushes us through?
1: Uh, indeed, and you have not violated a single grammatical rule in our conversation. Not yet. Uh, Give me a minute. <laughs> well, you know, people are there. There are two senses of grammatical rule. There's the kind of grammatical rule that we um, all uh, obey without even thinking about it. That's how we have a conversation. If you ever try to uh, com- uh, uh, communicate with a computer, if you ever use Google Translate, right? See, the computers are horrible at using. Yeah. grammar. they're. Um, you just know you're dealing with a machine and not a human being. There's a, a few rules that actually are not really part of a natural English language. They're part of the special form that we use in writing in formal settings. Mm. And even a lot of those are really bogus rules. Mm. The idea that you should not split an infinitive, for example, that Captain Kirk made an error when he said to boldly go where no man has gone before. There are a lot of School teachers and editors and people who write irate letters to the editor who insist that that's a grammatical error. But actually, if you look at the history of the English language, if you look at the logic of the English language, it's not an error. They're just, and there are a lot of bogus rules that people say are errors that actually aren't. Yeah. But there are, there are, people do make errors in writing. It's not that you can write however you please, at least not if you want to uh, show readers that you care about what you write. Uh, but um, it's important to distinguish the genuine rules from the, the bogus ones. And our
2: speaking language, I guess, it's, it's, is it different than the written?
1: Absolutely. And in fact, there's not just one written form of the language, but there are several. So the uh, language that you use in a text message or an email really should not be the same language that you use if you're delivering a sermon or, uh, or writing a, an impassioned editorial in the paper. Uh, There are different uh, degrees of formality, and it's an error to write in perfectly well-formed long sentences in a text message. It's also an error to leave out words and and, um, not care about the proper plurals if you're writing a a newspaper article. So So a lot of skill in language is knowing who you're writing for and what is the forum.
2: Do you, do you sense that uh, as technology is advancing and we now have all the spell checks and the grammar checks and language checks, is it is it strengthening us or is it making us weaker?
1: Uh, I, I think it's uh, kind of the same, that in every era you see people who are moaning about the decline of the language. Uh back in the uh you know, the nineteen twenties they were saying if current trends continue with people listening to the radio, then uh by nineteen sixty five we're all gonna be grunting like Tarzan. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and you go back and they're saying that in eighteen ninety and they were saying that in, you know, seventeen eighty. <laughs> uh so the language is not uh deteriorating because people have to communicate and people uh, at least in, in certain forums uh really enjoy well crafted English. It's uh, at the true. same time, there's, there are hundreds of millions of English speakers, and a lot of them are going to uh, be sloppy. A lot of them are going to use uh, uh, slang and dialects that aren't part of the standard. But the English language survived uh, survived for uh, more than a thousand years, and it'll it'll still survive.
2: It'll still survive. In fact, one of the things that came up recently politically here is uh, Donald Trump's you know level of of speaking. I guess he speaks it like a. 7th or 8th grade level.
1: <laughs> well, I did I did not see that. Yeah, and uh, pol- politicians uh, uh, often will uh simplify their language to broaden their appeal. Like like George Bush. Uh, that's right. He, uh, he
2: even made up some language to broaden his appeal.
1: Uh yeah, indeed. Uh he um uh, and And he he talked about citizens of Greece being grecians. <laughs> he talked about uh, policies that 'll uh, vulcanize our country instead of balkanize our country uh, and he yeah. himself conceded that he right. up. he gave a self deprecating speech in which he made fun of himself for all of his errors
2: and yet he was still elected i guess that 's part of it is i mean we 're all human, and most people aren 't paying attention to the minutiae to the detail i mean you can make big mistakes like some of those. Uh, yes.
1: Uh, although we we have had a number of presidents, even recently, who have been quite articulate. Bill yeah. Clinton was uh, was uh, I mean he was even called Slick Willie. He'd maybe a little too articulate. Right. Uh, Barack Obama he he takes pains to uh, simplify his language, but it's certainly um, grammatically well formed and articulate, and he's been praised for that. Uh, you know, at the same time, um, I use an example in my in the Spencer style that comes from President Obama, where he said, "No American should be under a cloud of suspicion because of what they look like, or the, because of the color of their skin." Now, there's some purists who would say that that's a grammatical error. That no American is singular. What they look like is plural. plural. Uh, but that's one of those bogus rules. People have been using they to refer generically to uh, any individual for hundreds of years including some of the greatest writers of the English language like Jane Austen. Hmm. So I use that as an example of uh, how how some things that people insist are ungrammatical are actually uh, perfectly fine. Give us give us
2: some more examples of of you know maybe areas that we might get caught up or we we might be making mistakes we don't even know about.
1: Yeah, there are uh, there if you try to use a fancy word that you think is a synonym for a, uh, a plainer word, you'll often uh, embarrass yourself if you uh, talk about if you thank someone for their uh, fulsome praise. Uh, fulsome does not mean full; uh, <laughs> it does not mean lavish or plentiful. What it means is insincere or or trying to or, you know, oily, yeah. trying to flatter. Yeah. So that, uh, likewise, if you want to uh, compliment someone on their elegant, uh, simple plan. Uh, don't call it simplistic. Simplistic is an insult. It's not a compliment.
3: Interesting,
2: Uh,
1: yeah. And those are cases, they're avoidable, because uh, they often come about when someone tries to sound highfalutin, but they don't really know what a word means, and they hear a a fancy, what they think is a synonym for a plain word, and they say, oh, I'm going to sound fancy schmancy, I'm going to use the big word instead of the little word. That's usually a mistake, or at least when in doubt, Go to the dictionary. Uh, a lot of them are available as apps or online. There's no excuse not to just check a dictionary. I'm a big fan of dictionaries.
2: Well, and I guess that's – help me because that seems like a great way to just grow your – I mean, it's almost like you need these experiences. We, we need a buzzer to go off when we do it wrong so we <laughs> realize we just said it wrong. I, I used to say irregardless.
1: Oh, yes. That's one of the – the, the, the purists always get up and arm oh, over Oh, and I heard about them. it. Yeah. And they, yeah, they say it's not a word. It actually is a word, but it's a word that people frown on, so don't use it. <laughs> don't
2: it's, use irregardless. And say you just say regardless, right?
1: Yeah, it's a blend of irrespective and regardless. But irregardless is, first of all, it's one negation too many. That's uh, right. Without regard, well, that's regardless. Well, so
2: that is regard. It's
1: irregardless, <laughs> it's, it just doesn't even make any sense.
2: Oh, my uh, heavens.
1: But but yeah, you're best advised not 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 to use that word.
2: But language is power, and it also, I mean, it tells you a lot. But um, I, I kind of have learned going through graduate programs that I, I get better every time I focus on it. How, how do you sense that we we do that um, in today's day and age? I mean, do I do I have to make it a practice of my life to read the dictionary regularly?
1: Uh, no, uh, I, I think it's uh, only the, the the biggest word nerds will kind of right. sit down in a, in a sofa and, and prop a dictionary up on their lap for for amusement. But it's something that you can go to when in doubt, uh, and and it's easier than ever. You don't have to balance a huge tome on your lap because they are available as uh, apps like the American Heritage Dictionary, um, and also just to enjoy what you read, especially when uh, something tickles you when you you read an article in 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 Time magazine or in. Um, uh, a, a, a clever movie review on a website, even a clever product review on Amazon, and you think to yourself, why did I just enjoy that sentence? Why is that so clear? And if you just sort of allow yourself to think about language and uh, so that you see what makes it work and what makes it uh, does not work. And likewise, when you write, um, uh, the, the the problem with most writing isn't that it has grammatical errors; it's that it's incomprehensible. Mm. You you know try to fill out a tax form, you um, uh, you, you read a uh, a paper written by a student, and you just, you read an academic or a journal article. I shouldn't blame the students. and You can't make head or tail of it because the person writing it just didn't bother to think. Hey, am I being clear? Can I expect? a person who isn't me to understand my words. And all too often, people don't do that. You have forms to fill out, and you just don't know what they're talking about. Mm, so, so true. A lot of, it, a lot of uh, what we need to do to improve writing is simply to just step back and say, hey, have I been clear? That is, after you write it, it's, and writing is really hard, it's hard enough to get your ideas down on paper. Uh, the thought that you could get your ideas down on paper and be clear, uh, that's superhuman. So what you have to do is get your ideas down, then take a second look at it and, and ask yourself, would, a, uh, would someone else understand what I just wrote? It, does each sentence work? Do the subjects agree with the verbs? Uh, do, and, and this is not something where you actually need a whole lot of grammar to do it. You just read it to yourself and say, hey, does that sentence sound right to me? Mm-hmm. And If you just make the task of writing well part of your uh, checklist, uh, and not just write something and then fire it off, that will go a long way to uh, making writing better. It really
4: is.
2: I guess it's intentionality. Is that a word? Intentionality?
1: Intentionality is a word. Uh,
2: is it, <laughs> Because to me, it's, it's like you're saying, stop and read what you just wrote. Think about your audience. Are they going to get it? Is it clear?
1: Even better, show it to someone else. There you because go. A lot of times what's obvious to you is not obvious to anyone else. (laughs)
3: Each of us has
1: a kind of blind spot. uh, uh, Of course it's clear. I just wrote it. I I know what I just said. Well, yeah, of course you know what you just said. (laughs) You know what you meant. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really important to run it by someone else, and you'll often be shocked uh, at what you think is obvious that no one else finds obvious. What's
2: getting through excellent stuff. Let's take a, a break. We're speaking with Professor Steve Pinker um, from the Department of Psychology at Harvard University. He's the author of the book The Sense of Style, The Thinking Person's Guide to Writing in the 21st Century. He's giving us some uh, grammar rules, um, you know, some that are okay to break. and And he's helping us maybe take the edge off This is about communication. It's about getting your message across to others. And in the end, um, you know, it can help. It can help. You don't have to stress. Just learn. We'll take a break, folks. Come back more with Professor Pinker on really the true sense of style. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Joining us on the phone is Professor Steven Pinker. He's the author of the book *The Sense of Style: The Thinking Person's Guide to Writing in the 21st Century*, and he joins us now live from Boston. Uh, Professor Pinker, thank you. This is—it's uh, enlightening for me. I—I've written a book, I've written a dissertation, a master's thesis, but there's something that makes me um, very vulnerable when I write because people. They get to know you through your writing. They get to know you through your words.
1: That is true, and I, I give three reasons why people should care about writing. Uh, one of them is that you are uh, broadcasting your degree of care in what you write. Uh, no one can verify the truth of everything that you say. They've got to trust you, and uh, they will make judgments based on how much care you put into crafting the sentence, as to how much care you put into everything else, all the thoughts or research or or thinking behind the the sentences. and So by taking care to write um, accurately and gracefully and grammatically, you're you're, um, advertising that you care about what you write. Uh, The second is just clarity. We mentioned before that people waste huge amounts of time trying to decipher badly uh, written documents, whether they're uh, government forms or... Uh, uh, instructions on how to program your, your digital alarm clock or uh, academic articles. Um, the amount of waste and error that uh, could be avoided if people thought to write clearly is uh, enormous. And finally, uh, good writing is, uh, is a source of pleasure. It, it, it's a form of beauty. It adds to uh, the enjoyment that we experience every day. And uh, anyone who uh, takes pleasure from reading will appreciate the a little bit of extra care that goes into a well-crafted sentence, or a witty remark, or a, an aptly chosen metaphor. So, do, those are the three reasons.
2: Do, I, I think it's so it's so true. Do, do um, does your writing influence your thinking? I mean, with me, by writing it and simplifying it, and having to like cut out you know uh, a prepositional phrase here and there, and it, it seems to kind of solidify the meaning for me.
1: Uh, it does, because often uh, words are, are more precise than the initial thought that led you to choose the word, and then when you say, well, which, which, which of these do I really mean? Huh. Then you suddenly realize, gee, I don't know. I haven't really thought this through carefully enough. And that's why, uh, I mean, one of the reasons that students are, uh, are, are, are forced to write uh, term papers is to get them into the habit of thinking clearly enough about uh, ideas, uh, which you have to do when you write them down. Uh, to, that they'll get get in the habit of thinking more clearly in the future. Mm.
2: Do you? Um, I mean, I'm, you're at Harvard. You see, I'm sure all sorts of writing now.
1: I, I, sure, I sure do. Yes. And I mean, and that's a uh, great institution. Some of, some of the worst of it, by the way, is from my fellow professors. No, is it true? Is I, that true? I'm not going to say anything bad about the students. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the professors better off than the worst writers.
2: And and does that say what does that say about them? Just maybe that the, their care is down or they're... they're Thinking isn't solid. What would it say about fellow? A, a
1: couple. There, there's some. There's a common accusation that there are some people who deliberately. Uh, write in obscure language to prove how sophisticated they are. Mm-hmm. So they, they they try to kind of bamboozle their audiences with uh, highfalutin gobbledygook, <laughs> and and I think there's some people who do that, but I don't think that's the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is something that I call the curse of knowledge, namely when you know something, it's very hard to imagine what it's like for someone else not to know it. It just becomes such second nature that you don't even feel you have to spell it out. It's like it's in front of your uh, your mind's eye, so it's per- clear as day you don't realize that people who haven't lived the life that you've lived uh, just may not know what you're talking about. Right. And to get people to step outside their own skin, to see the world through uh, someone else's point of view, uh, that's one of the chief skills in writing. And because academics get so specialized, or government bureaucrats or corporate hacks, uh, anyone who becomes um, a, more and more deeply immersed in their, their, little, their little peer group their little circle of people who communicate with each other, are likely to forget that people outside that little circle don't know their jargon yeah. or uh, can't visualize what they're talking about. And so the uh, urge to be concrete, to describe it in a way that anyone can see it. Don't talk about uh, you know, uh, uh, wildlife mitigation measures. Talk okay. about trapping birds. Uh, you know, don't, don't talk about uh, uh, verification of the veracity of a sentence. Say the word true and false. Uh, so true allow people to see what you are seeing
2: is and this is true too because now we not just have we don't just have the the uh, Webster's dictionary and all these great dictionaries we now have the urban dictionary where we now we need to know all of the street slang all of the we need to know all the emoticon talk uh and <laughs> language that we're seeing on our texting i mean it's almost—I don't know if it's actually—we're getting more words than normal. I don't know, but I don't know who to pay deference to and who to res, who to respect. Do I respect academic view, the haughty, high-headed, high-minded, or the street people?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's always been slang. It bubbles up from uh, uh, from sports, from music, from uh, business, from um, uh, people hanging out on the street, and. uh most of it will is ephemeral it'll uh, it'll come and go just uh but occasionally um words that are 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 thought of as slang when they first arise will earn a place in the language so you know i i, I was a kid in the 60s and there were terms like you know, rip off and uh, freak out, <laughs> yeah. uh, and rap that were at the time. The older people said, "Oh my God, what are the young kids doing to the language?" But now, rip off has uh, become a perfectly acceptable part of the language. It's a little casual, right? Right. Uh, but but it's uh, it, it's certainly no longer unfamiliar. And some of the uh, words in Urban Dictionary will make their way into the language and stay there. You know, others will slip out.
3: Is
2: um, is is there a suggestion you have uh, to go about? Improving our vocabulary. I mean, how how would you suggest we slowly improve not just the writing but our vocabulary, and maybe even go back and refresh on the rules?
1: Uh, I think that uh, immersing yourself in in print. Uh, I mean, when I say print, I don't mean uh, uh, you know bleached wood pulp like dead trees right. necessarily. It could, it could it could be on a screen, but um, but reading uh, well written uh prose and that doesn't necessarily mean great authors. It could just mean the uh you know the New York Times and or or Time magazine or uh uh the Atlantic Monthly. Um, just uh prose where whoever wrote it has been edited and obviously took some care uh to to uh, be clear about what they mean. And just immersing that is read the article instead of clicking on the video. Uh because written uh English is usually more precise than spoken and it's just it, sheer experience with the printed page that makes people better writers. Mm-hmm. The reason that, that, that most people of, who, who write well avoid the worst grammatical errors and spelling errors and punctuation errors isn't because they memorized a long list of rules. It's just that if you read enough, it just becomes second nature to you. The errors just pop out like, oh, they, that, that's just not English. You don't, you don't write like <laughs> that. You don't spell like that. Yeah. And you don't, you don't need to memorize the rules if you've spe- had enough experience. Reading and it, and it just doesn't mean forcing yourself to uh, uh, you know read the, the necessarily the greatest literature. Right. or that's an enormous source of pleasure. Uh, just read stuff that you enjoy,
2: and, and get it into your life, right? And I guess um, I mean when you immerse yourself in it, it's going to stick to you somehow, um, some way. I guess I always like to, if I really don't know the word, just look it up. And now our computers are making that so easy; we can just. Literally, click on it. Right-click on it, and we can get a definition of it. Exactly. Um, Take a of that. You bet. Well, and and I guess going forward, is our language isn't in jeopardy.
1: It it is not. Uh, it's just too important. Too many people find it too important to communicate in writing. Right. Uh, there's just no way that that uh, it's going to disappear or degenerate.
3: Well,
2: I, I appreciate um, your insight on this and and the book. I look forward to. Uh, to reading the book, the sense of style, the thinking person's guide to writing in the 21st century. Appreciate it again. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Steve Pinker.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Great to have you. Wonderful um, insight too. I mean, as a writer, and I, I love to write actually, but it does psych me out because I, ah, you're vulnerable when you're writing, especially when you're writing and people are reading it. Um, and that's just the beginning. But some of this, folks, is just exercise right it's just exercising your thoughts your mind um there's a lot there's a lot to learn and you don't have to be a snob to enjoy it uh i again i am I'm, I'm pretty blue collar when it comes to my speaking and yet i do enjoy it when i actually get a chance helping you get real life solutions to your real life problems As if life wasn't complicated enough, what do you do when you're driving down the freeway and all of a sudden coming at you is a big roll of bubble wrap? Well, our own Jeff Simpson, covering the empty news, is
4: going to tell us about the story. The Empty News Team, first on the scene, fifth on facts. You know, bubble wrap is one of the most uh, joyous and awe-inspiring, mesmerizing. Yes. mesmerizing inventions ever. Totally, and I think I told you this during the break. I tried to find some bubble wrap sound effects Which online. Seems
2: like a no-brainer,
4: right? You would think you'd go onto YouTube, you'd be able to find one of those twelve-hour videos of people pop, popping bubble wrap. Didn't happen. <laughs> there were people fondling bubble wrap, running their hands What's over it? it, stroking it. A lot you know, of feeling bubble the... wrap,
2: touching, fondling.
4: Right but weird. no popping weird very disappointing which is weird because there is such a, a drive for people to do the the
2: pimple popper
4: oh, yeah. and all of those other videos as well it's so therapeutic absolutely so uh bubble wrap there were four rolls of it that cascaded from the back of an open pol- or open tractor trailer stopped traffic on the westbound lanes of Route 80 last week. Mm. New Jersey State Police received a report that bubble wrap had fallen onto the highway at 8.49 a.m. The rolls did not hit any cars, and there were no accidents reported due to the mishap. <laughs> the tractor-trailer was traveling Route 80 when the latch on its rear doors broke, causing the rolls to fall into the highway, police said, after its cargo had been dumped. The tractor-trailer pulled over. A trooper stopped traffic to pull the bubble wrap out of the roadway, and you know he was stopping there to oh, pop yeah. it. yeah,
2: But, you know, everybody pulled over, and they were all rolling around
4: on the bubble wrap, popping. Oh, yeah. Out. Is it is it dangerous to hit a big roll of bubble wrap? No. I would have gotten out and put one in my trunk. Oh, that's a great idea. You you would know, maybe st- I would have left it a 20 or something. Yeah, you would have stolen it, but left a 20 for, you know, for— <laughs> <laughs> Reshelfing fees well, I mean, it's like you know how you try to return something after they've already cashed out the drawer and everything they there's nothing they can do with that money yeah. anyway right, so if, once it's fallen out of the truck they they can't use it anyway no so Boy. it's it seems like if you're going to have an accident,
2: that is the perfect that's the perfect thing to fall out of the truck,
4: yeah. You know, it's it's crazy how these stories often come in pairs because we have another story about uh, a man arrested for driving with two stolen lampposts right. attached to his car. You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. So this guy's driving along the highway, dragging. Let me see if I can get the lamppost sound here. Oh, he's dragging. There it is. So... A oh, Dutch boy. man he, he who's Dutch, he was arrested after police spotted him driving with a pair of stolen 20-foot-long lampposts on top of his car. Police shared a photo of a small hatchback vehicle carrying the two long concrete <laughs> poles on the side of a brick road. Wow. Police pu- pulled over the driver traveling to Lalestad from Almere and found he was guilty of several violations, including improperly transporting the likely stolen lampposts yeah you i mean you don't so,
2: do it that way
4: yeah i mean they pulled him over and basically just said look i, I get it if you're going to but you, if you're going to steal a lamppost just make sure it's properly installed on your car that's
2: you know what or don't even or take a truck you know take a truck just yeah. a simple little truck
4: when you steal these things, just make sure you do it properly, okay? Yeah, that's and, insulting to me. And when you walk up to the lamppost, you've got to say, Hello, lamppost. What you
2: knowing? I think that's how it goes. What? That's a song. I've, I've never heard this. You haven't, Simon and Garfunkel?
4: No. Hmm. We'll play it for you in the break. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
2: It's, uh, again, why are you stealing a lamppost?
4: I know. Well, I mean,
2: are you going to just, I guess, but these were cement lampposts. These weren't even just metal lampposts. This is a cement lamppost. A
4: lot of times they're more troublesome than helpful. But you do keep maybe you up at night. Maybe you want lighting in your backyard. As a kid, we would only use them as like, that was home base. You know, you would yeah, yeah, count yeah. and cover yeah, your just, eyes on the lamppost. <laughs> yeah. I like how you
2: right there just covered your, you just put your arm over your eyes. Yeah. You just right there. You looked like about a, a, a eight year old boy.
4: Well, I wanted the I wanted the listener to be able to visualize it. Yeah, but the, yeah, this isn't TV. So the only one visualizing what you were doing, he or she saw. She, they they saw it in their mind. Yeah, in their mind's eye. They could see it on the radio. We need a live stream here so people could watch you. First of all, they could see you in your fit
2: self. (laughs) And B, they could um, also be able to see you doing your little arm movements. It was very dramatic. Very dramatic. And they they captured that. That's what we bring you with the empty news, folks. The latest, the greatest. We're going to continue the journey. Next hour, more fun straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Happy Relaxation Day, folks. And uh, good day to you. hope your day's going well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff Simpson and Terry South uh, bringing you the joy and the relaxation. This is the program where we give you the latest, the greatest. Ah. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Ah. Imagine you're sitting on the side of a mountain and you smell the mango trees. By the way, mangoes? Uh, greatest trip ever is the road to Hana in uh where is it? In oh, on Oahu Island. Holy cow, man oh on Maui, that's right. And mango trees just the smell of mangoes, fresh mangoes. And then the road is just switched back, switch back, switch back, and then you get sick and you have to pull over. But it's great because while you're sick you can
4: smell mangoes. I've never been there but I have it's been totally to a, I have been to uh, the Benihana. Oh. And I can just picture sitting there now mm. opening my mouth having a shrimp the Flung grill yeah. into it.
2: Yeah, and then the guy throws a shrimp at you and you have to catch it in your mouth. Yeah. A hot burning shrimp.
3: And it <laughs> hits you in the eyeball.
2: Oh, relaxation days. And on the road to Hana, you can also go to the pools, the seven the seven sacred pools or whatever. Oh heaven. Heaven.
4: So for those of you that aren't going to Maui tomorrow, then uh, or today, it's just you gotta find another way to relax. I haven't been to heaven, but I have been to seven eleven. Not the same. And it says, oh, uh, their their slogan is, thank heaven. oh, thank heaven, Seven Eleven. Uh By the way, Jeffrey, we are so proud of you.
2: Three and a half pounds you've lost. And it hasn't, you didn't, Oh, a very polite golf clap, a very polite golf clap. Jeff has lost three and a half pounds. Um, I think a lot of it is just, lo- it's your clothes, you've, you're wearing different clothes now. Yeah, I'm not Lighter wearing clothes. as many layers. More cotton.
4: Yeah. You were you used to wear a lot of heavy denim. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the denim jacket, yeah. and they come bedazzled. So yeah, and your chaps and pounds. the leather. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I
2: really like the cotton shorts and everything. I think you look great. Um, we've got a lot to cover today. Today we're going to talk about is your diet making you depressed, and who better to help us than our health evangelist, Doctor Ron Hager? Will be joining us. Uh, definitely, I've never seen Jeff more depressed than since he changed his diet to lose the eight pounds he needs to lose to win. 30 dollars back that he invested (laughs) in his weight loss program so we'll be getting to all of this fun so much to talk about so much to get to we'll also of course be visiting our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation at the top of the hour they're going to start their show so we're going to give you a little update a little preview of what's coming there and of course a hero of the day we'll give you our hero story cute story about a 94 year old man loses his wife and he's lonely so what do you do when you're lonely? You build a swimming pool so all the neighborhood kids could come and swim. And he opens it up to the neighborhood. How cool is that? So much good. So much, uh, so many positive things going on. So we'll cover all of that and... Of course, we'll get to the headlines and the empty news, we call it.
5: First to the headlines with uh, Terry South. Terry, what's going on around
2: the rest of the country?
5: North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has dialed back threats to launch missiles at the U.S. territory of Guam, announcing early Tuesday that Pyongyang will hold off on taking any action for the time being in remarks published by the state media. However, Kim warned that he could still carry through with these plans at any moment if the Yankees persist in their extremely dangerous, reckless actions. I did not know that the baseball team was involved in this, the Yankees. Yeah. Is he talking about
2: another Yankees? I think Those darn Americans?
5: Yes, Yankees is an Americans. Okay, good. Because if he'd have to complain about the Red Sox and the Indians. Yes. And the Giants. don't I mean, want to start all that. The Where Dodgers that are end? fine. The Dodgers do not have reckless actions. Wall Street Journal reports uh, through the North Korean leader, or though the North Korean leader gave no reason for his sudden change of heart. In the latest episode of the Sabre Rattling with Washington, his announcement followed an inspection of a military command post where senior officers reportedly presented him with plans for the potential strike of the ocean around Guam. This is such a weird story. So he didn't like the plans? He wants him to go back to the... Uh, he didn't say he didn't like them. So- he's just saying you know he's trying to show that he might be A measured leader is backing off on the rhetoric. Okay, good. Good. Kim Jong un. He he wants to go play golf. Who knows? Probably. He does that like his father. Apparently, he's the greatest golfer in the world. Well, I hear hear he's the best golfer. 34 under, 15 holes in one. was the greatest. By the way, never
2: needs to stop for a pit stop, never uses the restroom.
5: Amazing person. A New York Times report on Monday cites an expert uh, analysis of classified uh, see, classified assessments by American intelligence agencies revealed that North Korea's abrupt success in their rocket technology. Yes. Uh, made possible by black market purchases of powerful rocket engines probably from a Ukrainian factory with oh. historical ties to Russia's missile missile program. Ukrainian officials say they had nothing to do with North Korea getting those engines. How strange. Yeah. They can can tell because there's video of Kim Jong-un touring the missile uh, uh, facilities they have. And they can see the writing on the side of the uh, the equipment. And it's like the Russians. What's
2: what's great is that maybe President Trump could ask his friend Vlad Vlad, if he knew anything about that. Yeah. How weird. No wonder Russia's not as involved in this as we'd want them to be. Yeah, they
5: kind of stayed back. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting. A New England uh, Holocaust memorial in Boston has been vandalized for a second time this summer. A 17-year-old boy accused of smashing a glass panel on the memorial Monday. Police say the boy was detained by two bystanders until police arrived. They say he'll be charged with willful and malicious destruction of property. In June, a, uh, a man used a rock to shatter a glass panel on one of the memorial's six Fifty-four-foot-high towers. What? The six glass towers are lit internally and etched with millions of numbers that represent the tattoos on the arms of many Jews sent to Nazi death camps. Oh, boy. That's the memorial in Boston. It's been vandalized twice so far. What is going on? Yeah. A 16-year-old apparently is running for governor in Kansas. 16. 16. Wow, there's he, a... he won't be able to vote, but he, uh, the 16-year-old Wichita high school student says he's serious about his bid to run for governor of Kansas. Jack Bergenson has filed to run as a Democrat in the 2018 race for governor of Kansas. That'll be tough in Kansas, but he'll you know, give it a shot. Uh, as soon as he, uh, he says it doesn't phase him, that he won't be old enough to vote. Under Kansas law, there is no law governing the qualifications for governor. Not one. Not one law. So there's seriously nothing on the books that lays out anything. No age, no residency, no experience, no nothing. So, Matt, you could run for governor of Kansas, apparently.
2: Mm, uh, You know what? I'm so busy. You could be a
5: dog. A dog could run. He goes, let's try something new that has never really been tried anywhere else before. The teenager says he wants to radically change the health care system, but he is uh, conservative on gun rights and supports... Laws that allow people to open carry their weapons. He goes, I think if you offer people in Kansas something radical, something new, so then that'll show that we can move in a new direction. He goes, yeah. I think that will put
4: the Democratic Party in a good position to win the seat next year. So this is coming This is coming from someone who will be on their parents' health care plan for another 10 years.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. But a 16-year-old seems to have different ideas, different needs. Yeah. This, like fidget spinners for everybody? This is true. That just seems like, I mean... <laughs> they help with anxiety, Matt.
5: Do they? No, but that's what they say.
2: It's funny because they only help half of the people with anxiety, and then the other half are anxious watching their kids but, spin. By the way, things. the
5: Consumer Protection Bureau this week finally came out and said that they could be dangerous by swallowing small parts. They've been out for, on the market for a year and a half. They've actually hit fad status, and now they've died, and then no one oh. cares anymore. But now they come out and say they're dangerous. See, that's what I liked
2: about the Pokemon... Uh, fad is that it was nobody was choking on parts. No,
5: they were just falling off.
4: People cliffs and, people were getting stabbed yeah. though. Yeah, yeah they were they, getting they were assaulted ending
2: up in
5: parks, being <laughs> at night. Yeah, it was scary. And finally, in honor of our next guest, yeah, Dr. Ron Hager. The I, have, I have some food. Oh, good, because we always yeah.
2: like to do a little food update it, right before Ron's uh,
5: segment. Honestly, always food. He would not recommend. Right,
2: but uh, he's a healthy
5: person. Yeah. So, uh, pumpkin. Pumpkin Spice is something that hits in the fall. Yeah. Uh, it's August, but apparently it's out already. Well, yeah, because you got to get it early because well, you can it, get they pump, run out. You of. can get Pumpkin Spice every moment of the entire year. Was it's that the Spice the Girl that dressed
4: up in yeah. like a big she pumpkin was big, outfit? No, orange. No, yeah. no,
5: So pumpkin pie may not yet be uh, yet stand as a glimmer of thought in your mind because, you know, it's August, not November. Uh, but as it hasn't stopped Walmart and Mars from getting the head start to your taste buds, the first white pumpkin pie M&M's are here. White pumpkin pie M&M's.
4: Yes. Mm. I've never seen a white pumpkin pie. Haven't you? No. Neither have I. It's a brand new flavor,
5: supplementing Mars, another limited edition fall 2017 offerings like pecan pie M&M's and candy corn M&M's. Mm. It seems a tad earlier to be thinking about the fall, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, a lot of pumpkin spice ice cream and different foods with it. Yeah. So they're going to put it in M&M's. And Where can it? we get it? Uh, Walmart. That's what we need to apparently, know.
2: Apparently Walmart. Oh, thank goodness. But, like, have you ever had pumpkin spice cake? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Oh, with, like, cream cheese
5: icing. Is that good? <gasps> Are yeah. you interested in pumpkin pie M and Ms? No, not at all. No, pumpkin pie isn't chocolate, but it would be pumpkin pie and chocolate possibly. Well, would they I... might le- they might leave the chocolate out. It's just pumpkin flavored. Well, I know, but why don't you? I mean, pumpkin flavored, but it's in a candy form. Then the you know. hard shell. Hard shell won't melt and do. It melts in your mouth. Probably um, only ends, comes ends.
4: in the medium sized bags. We had to shell out yeah, a good $3 the, to yeah, get. They're, they're the share bags. Yeah, I'm not interested. So you better like them. It's I'm a scam. not wanting that. That's just a lot
5: of And work. also, uh, we talked about uh, the other day that uh, Cheetos had a pop up restaurant. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So they had like oh, Cheeto encrusted food. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh it's, re- it's like it's restaurant week, I guess they call it in New York. So there's a lot of weird offerings and unique offerings in New York City. Uh, stunt foods. They they have milkshakes that are so large you can hardly eat them. Election themed food because why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, they have they have a burger. It it it's it, a- it oozes cheese. Ooh, that was. It's a- called the burger bomb. That that bomb just went. That on.
4: was a burger bomb. Yeah. So-
5: Hold
2: on, that was actually I think the guy's heart.
5: Yeah. After he ate. <laughs> so w- what they do is they hollow out the top bun, mm-hmm. fill it with che- a cheese sauce made with aged cheddar cream and herbs, or I like to say herbs. Her- know, <laughs> is Herb the guy making it? Herb, herb. Or if you're in the UK. Herbs the shoe <laughs> sauce. So you have aged cheddar cream and herbs, and they're all packed into the top bun. Mm. And then you put the hamburger together. Yeah, yeah. And then when you cut the burger <gasps> or you bite into the burger, oh. it's this explosion of oh, cheese. Just an explosion. Yeah. I wonder what that would sound like. Just like that. The video is interesting along with the article because they, they cut the hamburger in half and it just cheeses everywhere. When they cut the hamburger, they also so, cut the cheese. Exactly.
4: So maybe I, maybe I could eat this because if you're hollowing out the bun, that's mm. where the carbs are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. You're just getting okay. this,
5: this hollow shell full of cheese I mean, that to sits me, on top of your burger. I don't see anything wrong with that. Does that sound interesting? Well, deadly.
2: Oh, well, I mean, sure, but. absolutely deadly. But let's try it. I mean,
4: I don't want to. I don't. I don't know until I try it. Hmm. I wouldn't put cheese in there. I would hollow it out and put like some In-N-Out special sauce in there. Mm. Or how about blue cheese?
2: Oh, brother, that would be good.
4: Do you
5: not love blue cheese? On it has a, it has its place. Yeah. In a hollowed out bun to create an explosive. <laughs> now, do you want it like like the crummy blue cheese or do you want like melted? Well, I want it crummy and then it'll melt.
1: It'll I've got a lot of crummy cheese. The problem is if it just, melts
5: in the bun, the bun gets soggy. Exactly. And then it just falls apart. Is that what you want? Sure. So then you, then you have to eat it with a knife.
4: It's going to fall apart. It. And the joy of eating with your hands is gone now. There's nothing, nothing worse than mm. a soggy bun. mm these are all true. That was my college nickname, by the way, Soggy, Soggy bun. bun.
2: Yeah, but tell them why.
4: <laughs> well, you know when you sit down when there's a puddle? No. And then you have to walk around the rest of the day with wet pants? Yeah, Soggy Bun. Yeah.
2: I always love it when you are about to tell a story halfway, and then i like you to finish the story, and I just throw that at you.
4: And you throw me under the bus in the process.
2: <laughs> I did not throw you under the bus. I wanted to know the whole story. Speaking of uh, Ken dolls, um, did you hear about this crazy story about the guy that wants to be a human Ken doll? Really? Yeah. I mean, Dr. Hager's here to talk to us about our diet. He always wants us to be healthier, but there is a man. Um, he is a 34 year old Brazilian. His real name is Rodrigo Alves. And
4: he, 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 wants to be a Kendall. Is he doing this because he knows there's a Barbie movie coming up? I don't know.
2: He's been doing this for quite a while. Okay. He has now spent $450,000 on surgery. But he he he's he one of the first lines of the article is that he's not crazy. He's had psychological help. He's going to a counselor
4: but he really just feels like he's in the he was given the wrong body but if you have to preface your explanation with i'm not crazy usually you are yeah or you at least know there's something going on
2: but um he he's trying slowly to Change his body to look
4: like a human Ken doll. He looks like Jim Carrey in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. Minus he, the green. He kind of looks like his features are, are a little off.
2: Or um, Joan Rivers. He, he spent about $335,000 on his face, about 9000 on his arms. I guess that was to make him stiff and rigid so they don't bend at the elbow. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming. How old is this man? Uh,
4: 34. Who needs? He's had surgery. A, he's had a at nose job, a
2: chin implant, a brow lift. His facial, uh, his total surgeries have totaled four hundred fifty thousand. But again, he reiterates, I'm, I've gotten psychological help. I was just born with the wrong body, and I'm thinking, if you wanted,
4: was if, he does, was he thinking he would be born with a plastic body? That's the the body he yeah, should have been born with. That weird, with like Mattel yeah. stamped into your foot. Hmm. But Didn't I, know that was possible. Wouldn't
2: you rather,
4: if you had to choose to be a doll, wouldn't you rather be like G.I. Joe? Oh, yeah. I mean, that dude was ripped. Or a Ninja Turtle, because then you'd have the hard shell on your back. I, I wouldn't want to be a turtle. And you get to eat a lot of pizza.
2: Well, I know, but yeah. But G.I. Joe had a Jeep. He had boots. His knees bent. His elbows bent. He's got, he had mobility. His body could bend. He's too serious. His wrists would bend, too.
4: The turtles knew how to party.
2: And if you had to choose, like a, a Hummer or a pink Barbie convertible Corvette, which would you choose? I mean, who wouldn't buy the Hummer, right?
4: With, with a gun on the back. I mean, or in the turtle's case, a news truck. Why do you keep going to the turtle? Because I, I I believe I had a Donatello but
2: toy. But okay, so I'm saying if you had to spend four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in plastic surgery, you'd
4: want to go for the turtle. Well, over a Kendall. Yeah. How about over a G.I. Joe? Again, I, it goes back to the food. I'm all about the pizza. Wow. Okay. Well, we wish him
2: the best of luck, I guess. It's sad when you can't just be happy with who you are, but then you think you'd want to be a Ken doll. I just – have you ever seen how Ken doll always walks on
4: his toes? Yeah. The balls of his feet? And it goes to show you, too, that money can't buy you happiness. No, but it can buy you a plasticky figure.
2: That makes you resemble a
4: Well, doll. I'm, I'm happy for him if he now feels like he is in the state that he meant he was supposed to be born into. Yeah. Plastic doll state. Plastic doll.
2: I would have, again, I would have gone for G.I. Joe. And that had that beard that you could rub off. I'd take it back. I'd be Stretch Armstrong. Oh, now you're talking. That'd be fun. Until you get your hand stuck in your car door and it ends up in Burbank.
4: Yeah, and I guess people pulling you around all the time probably wouldn't be all that fun. Kids, quit
2: stretching daddy's arms. Uh, we got a great show coming up. The great health evangelist will be joining us. The health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager, is here. Is your diet making you depressed? He's going to walk us through the things that might be impacting your mental health uh, that you, just you know, from your simple dinner, your meals that you're eating, all straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready for a miracle. Who better to lead us to that miracle than our own health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager, is back with us. He's the Associate Professor of Exercise Sciences in the College of Life Sciences at BYU and is an expert in chronic disease prevention. He used to be called the chronic disease, the death preventer. And then we decided health evangelist sounds better. Dr. Ron, welcome back. Thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you. you healthy? you
7: happy? I'm trying to be. Yeah, I'm not depressed right now. That's good. Yeah, but I haven't eaten anything yet.
2: Jeff's a little depressed because he he can't have any of the foods like he's dreaming about nachos. Right. Isn't that a bad dream? I mean, that's like a – it seems like there's a problem.
7: You know, there's probably a way to make nachos a little healthy –
2: there is. You know. you know how you do it. My my sister's dog, uh, his name is Nacho. Oh, there you go. So just get a dog named Nacho and you'll never want nachos again.
4: You know, I believe it was Woody Allen that said, I could live to be 100 if I gave up all the things that would make me want to live to 100. <laughs> That's
2: something like that.
4: It's sad. We,
2: we threw an article your way, Ron, yeah. that was about how your diet may be actually depressing you.
7: Yeah. There's – you know, this is not a new line of research. Yeah. But it is – fairly recent in terms of the effect that diet can have on emotional state. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because some people get depressed and they want to eat. Yeah. And, you know, in, in other words, people respond differently to food. You know, they have some kind of emotional stress and some people don't eat and some people have emotional stress and all they want to do is eat. Yeah. Or, or they want to give, give up maybe some pattern that they've been in. You know, like uh, a student studies hard for an exam uh, feels like they're very prepared. They go take the test and they, and they just blow it. Mm. And maybe leading up to that point, you know, they'd been engaged in some kind of a healthy lifestyle pattern, including their diet. But then after that experience, they kind of say, you "Whatever, know, why, why bother? Yeah. You know, where's the next court of Ben and Jerry's? Mm-hmm. You know, so so things that impact you in your life can certainly affect uh, how you eat." Because so much of this is
2: about chemistry, right? I sure. mean food is all chemical. It's all about yeah. chemistry.
7: Yeah. We're a chemical engine
2: basically. Yeah. But I guess you got to watch out because you could feel really good eating Ben and Jerry's for a while. <laughs> yeah. But then it, then it, the depression might actually sink in when you're gaining weight, when you're feeling less healthy
7: yeah. and you're sick. Sure. But, you know, emotions are a tricky thing. Yeah. Very tricky. You know that. Um, and it's, it's tough to manage this, but like I said, more and more research is linking um, not so much you know, emotional types of eating, but just the kinds of food or dietary patterns that people engage in and their emotional state. I mean, we know from lots of research that the kinds of foods you eat, for example, can be related to your risk of diabetes right. or your risk of obesity or some cancers or overweight or cardiovascular disease, these kinds of things. And it, it's always kind of made sense to me that that we're a whole person. You know, we're not some compartmentalized organism where you – know, but, but we're kind of led to believe this, you know, that certain foods, you know, will help prevent cancer. And, right. so, and so you think of them as as in some compartmentalized, you know, way that, okay, I've got to eat this to help me prevent cancer and I've got to eat that to help me prevent diabetes and – and that somehow, it, it, you know, that there are these different things, uh, different parts of you, but really you're just a whole person. Mm-hmm. And, and everything you stick in your mouth, it, you know, is going to affect you. It's part, yeah, it becomes and, part and, of and, the system. And, 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 and to say, well, that'll only affect my cardiovascular health, right. but not my mental health, that, that just never made sense to me. And so I like this idea, and, and everybody's heard this, saying you are, <laughs> you are what you eat, now you, nobody really takes that literally. Like if you eat broccoli, you become broccoli. But, 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 it, but if in this case, you know, of, of becoming what you eat, you know, if, if you're talking about t- in terms of quality of food, you know, that makes that a no, lot of absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Right. So if you eat a lot of processed and refined foods, manufactured foods, uh, which really have only been around, uh, you know, for not 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 a, not a long time, but. You know, maybe the last 30, 40, 50 years, we've really shifted in terms of our dietary patterns because of, uh, you know, what's available, mm-hmm. uh, what's been manufactured. And one of the most interesting findings in the research that's been done is that depression prevalence is is on the rise. And there are probably lots of things that are related to that. Uh, maybe increased diagnostic sensitivity. Yeah. You know, that could be part of it. Uh, maybe you know, uh, more access to health care. I mean, those are things that obviously make sense. Um but but regardless of whatever it is, depression prevalence is increasing. But you can also look at our dietary patterns and see that about the time that there was a big shift into processed and refined foods, depression prevalence also increased. Why not? Yeah. So it's a correlation. It's not cause and effect. You know, you can't say, if I eat this, it's going to cause depression. Uh, and I don't know if we'll ever get, you know, to that kind of understanding. But you can't ignore the correlations. We, um,
2: we had a guest on that, I, that wrote the book, The Dirt Cure. Have you read that? No. But he, they were talking – she was talking about the fact that um, – in dirt just a handful of dirt are these antidepressant microbes including serotonin in dirt right it's in the dirt and because we're eating so few uh, so many fewer foods just directly from the dirt directly from the soil that we're not getting certain we're not getting chemicals we used to get we're getting other chemicals with highly treated stuff yeah. so i mean what's weird about it is something's going on we know sure. something's going on and some of it has to be environmental but it really is. So little of our food actually comes from the garden anymore. Yeah. And from our garden. And especially from
7: our own gardens. And being out in the garden, yeah, you know, yeah. getting sunlight. and Absolutely. Uh, but it doesn't take any stretch of the imagination to see that our lifestyles have changed. Yeah. And, and our bodies our bodies have not changed. Right. Yeah, they're know? not evolving that no, quickly. No, no. No. Genetically, I mean, you go back tens of thousands of years where the same, uh, you know, you know, genetic person or, or or organism that we've always been, but our environment has changed oh. dramatically. And we're, our bodies were designed to eat the kinds of foods that, you know, you go out in your backyard and you pull out of the ground. Or you, put, or you pick it off the tree yeah. or you whack it over the head and Like you and always talk
2: about, but you also had to walk out to the garden. You had to work in the garden. You yeah. had to get the sunlight from the garden. That's yeah. why you're saying we're whole systems. We're, yeah. we're not just consumers of food. We're also how we get the food, how we exercise, how much we walk.
7: Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's one uh, uh, assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Columbia <clears throat> University, Dr. Drew Ramsey. Uh, he said that people who eat a lot of fast food – so the, so there's even been research on on this phenomenon of fast food. Uh, and, and, and this has been done uh, even in other countries where fast food was not prominent. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't even available. Right. But now as fast food has infiltrated these cultures, they see things like depression uh, rising. Uh, but he, he mentions a study where, uh, where he says that people who eat a lot of fast food have about a 60 to 80% increased risk of developing depression. Whereas those who eat a Mediterranean diet, we can talk about that, have a reduced risk of forty to fifty percent. Hmm. Yeah. So.
2: So so that's like a hundred point swing. More. So, yeah. yeah.
7: I mean, potentially uh, about a hundred and thirty point. Unbelievable. Yeah. So food maybe can make a difference, and then in a brand new study uh, published in uh, 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 Biomed Central uh, Medicine. Uh, this was uh, published in 2017. Researchers, uh, it, this is one of the first clinical trials. We, You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, cause and effect, you know, is very difficult to establish. But as more and more of these uh, clinical trials are done where there's random assignment uh, to groups, uh, these researchers randomly assigned moderate to severe depression patients to a, an intervention, hmm. which included seven nutritional consulting sessions with like a, you know, a certified registered Dietitian, kind of a person who could who, who knew their stuff. Uh, and then the, the, they also randomly assigned a certain number to a control group where they received non-nutritional social support during the same period. Wow! Uh, the intervention group was encouraged to follow uh, a modified Mediterranean diet. Now, the Mediterranean diet, we've got to talk about this in a traditional sense because even in Mediterranean countries, their diets are changing as well. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're bringing in fast yeah, food now. Yeah, so we're talking about, you know, the... Uh, Uh, The traditional Mediterranean diet. Now, it it was a modified Mediterranean diet, and you'll see why here in just a second. Uh, But the diet was rich in vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. Uh, There's some emphasis for oily fish, legumes, uh, kinds of beans, and so forth, raw and unsalted nuts and seeds, and olive oil. The modified part was related to the inclusion of reduced fat, natural dairy uh, products, and uh, lean red meat. Hmm. Um, Now, uh, and there is some research to show i mean I'm, you know there there's there's all kinds of debates and arguments out there about what is ac- exactly plant based and you know whether whether any kind of meat is okay or not um but there's some research that actually shows that consuming more or less red meat than is recommended uh, is linked to depression um and and symptoms of anxiety uh and red meat is also is a good source of iron it 's a yeah. good source of zinc and vitamin b twelve uh, and all of those uh, have been linked to mental disorders you know deficiencies interesting especially uh, but anyway the results of this this randomized uh, you know clinical trial uh, about 30% of participants in the dietary support group were deemed uh, in remission of major depression after 7 weeks just by modifying their diet on uh, only 8% were in remission in the control group Unbelievable. Yeah, So, and that was just through a dietary intervention only. Uh, so that's one of the ways researchers try and isolate, you know, yeah. the, the the single effect of something. And, it,
2: I mean, again, these are just studies, but for heaven's sakes, it's, some of our common sense tells us this. Right,
7: right. And a lot of correlational studies have been done. Like I said, they, they look, they've looked at populations in countries. For example, in Japan, they have some of the lowest rates of depression and they have some of the highest fish consumption. Mm. Uh, so fish, because it contains uh, uh, certain kinds of fish especially are as high in omega 3 fatty acids, fatty acids yeah. uh which uh w- which can have an effect in the body of uh, you already mentioned serotonin it can uh, uh increase production of serotonin which is a neurotransmitter <laughs> which has been linked to things like happiness and uh you know ability to deal with stress mm-hmm. and, uh, those kinds of things um, Boy, it really
2: is. It's such a complicated we're, – we're such complicated beings. Let's um, let's take a break, Dr. Ron. We're speaking with Dr. Ron Hager, our health evangelist. He's helping us understand the impact your diet may be making on your mental health as well as just life overall. It is complicated, but it's also you, right? It's your life. And it's uh, – one thing Dr. Ron always is teaching us is own it. Own your life. Own your health. Don't just defer to every other expert on earth. Instead, uh, guide guide with your own light. We'll continue the journey, helping us all be the better person. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. you got to love the music because it means the health evangelist is in the studio Dr Ron Hager he's back with us from uh, BYU's Exercise Sciences and College of Life Sciences and uh, he he's here to help us get get hopefully a little healthier physically but also recognize the food you eat may be impacting your mental health as well dr. Ron thanks for being with us again Happy to be here and uh, talk to us about um, so you, you've been you've been going into the studies showing us that you know certain certain countries have lower depression rates because of their diet and certain tests that they've done show that if you do move more to a Mediterranean diet it does decrease depression
7: yeah. Yeah, and other studies. It doesn't just have to be a Mediterranean diet. Uh, sometimes on the show we've called this a plant-based diet right. or, or a prudent diet. Um, you know there are there are different ways to look at this. Uh, studies have been done on a traditional Norwegian diet uh, or a traditional Japanese diet. Uh, like I said, a lot of diets across the world uh, are changing. Yeah, uh, because there's just uh, more and more processed and refined foods. I guess that are kind of infiltrating the the traditional dietary patterns. And, you know, the older generation may be kind of sticking to their traditions, but the newer generation, you know, they're kind of intrigued by these ideas of fast food and uh, highly palatable, very cheap, uh, easy to make, very convenient foods that come in boxes and bags and cans and jars and right. bottles and so forth. Uh, you know, th- there was a study uh, published in the British Journal of Psychiatry uh, this was uh, a little while ago in two thousand uh, and four, and it 's all just correlational research, uh, but they they looked at uh, the kinds of uh, foods that people eat, and they looked at uh, outcomes for schizophrenia mm-hmm. and depression prevalence and uh, those two things aren 't necessarily always related but uh, but sometimes they can be and One of the most consistent findings uh, that came out of this study. Uh, indicated that greater consumption of refined sugar yeah. uh was was had the strongest correlations with uh with the worse outcomes for schizophrenia and greater prevalence of depression interesting yeah we yeah. don't we don't know do we we do not know what causes all of this anyway,
2: so but we know it 's about circuitry, we know sure. there's it 's about blood flow in the brain and I guess everything we put in, like we could also talk about caffeine. People consume a lot of caffeine, and we know caffeine induces more anxiety. Sure, and anxiety and depression are connected.
7: Yeah, and all of these things are relatively new. These are not things, basically, that we were dealing with yeah. uh, fifty, seventy five, a hundred years ago. And 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 then they also looked at uh, other foods as well, and they found that consumption of pulses, uh, which are things like you know lentils and beans and peas and chickpeas. Uh, they had actually a negative correlation. So they had benefits. In other really? words, they had people who consumed more versus less of those kinds of foods had uh, better outcomes for schizophrenia and less prevalence of depression. Man, And and, and so it, it it really is about this highly processed world that we live in, especially in terms of our food. And it's just not how how we're made? It's just not what we're made right. to be doing, to be eating. We we live. Kelly Brownell, uh, uh, another researcher, has has called our environment a toxic environment, and and we just we we don't we don't fare very well. We have a kind of a a gene environment discord. Oh yeah, you know where where our where our genetics have not changed over the millennia, but our environment has changed dramatically uh, in terms of diet and and many other ways as well. So now, we have to
2: kind of go back to the old ways, it seems like.
7: Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Right.
2: Go back to what sure. you were initially yeah. designed for.
7: Yeah. It, it, it would be like, you know, taking a trip to the moon and saying, you know, I don't really need a spacesuit up here. Yeah. You know, the environment is just not conducive to your survival. Right. You have to, you have to act accordingly That's a great, to, to yeah. whatever you need.
2: You don't have to.
7: Well, you don't have to. But, but you'll pay the price. But if you want to survive. <laughs> That's right. You're,
2: if you don't want your, your, your blood to boil. Right.
7: So the question becomes here, well, what can a person do? Yeah, what do we eat? Uh, well, another study uh, published in uh, 2016 online from Nutritional Neuroscience, uh, they gave five recommendations. And this was based, based off of a review of all the studies that are out there. Uh, they gave a, a five recommendations. These these can be practical you know, in terms of prevention of depression. Follow a traditional... Dietary patterns such as the Mediterranean diet uh or or a plant based or prudent diet uh, where you're trying uh to get more of the whole natural uh you know foods uh, as far away from processed and refined as you can get right okay and 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 that, so that's one of the things follow follow a traditional dietary pattern increase consumption of fruits vegetables legumes whole grains uh nuts, and seeds okay that's that's that kind of makes sense. Increased consumption of foods rich in omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. We've mentioned that, and, yeah. that, and that fish like salmon, tuna, trout are all pretty good sources of uh, of, of those omega-3s. Uh, there's also uh, some dairy and juices have actually been fortified with omega-3s. So just look for that on the labeling. Well, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would say you know try and get it in the foods. You know, directly where, where it you comes can. where it comes right. directly. Uh, but yeah, but there are some foods, including even you know some grain products like breads that have been fortified right. with omega threes. Uh, eggs are kind of a thing that you know they you know they, they feed omega threes to the chickens, and then the chickens lay eggs with higher concentrations of omega threes. Filtered through a chicken. Yeah, so those are some things you can do. Uh, but even some grains like flaxseed. Hmm. Flaxseed is a great source. Of omega threes, uh, my wife makes smoothies oftentimes in the mornings, and she buys she has a bag of flaxseed and chia seed, yeah. and, and she just throws a couple of tablespoons in with the smoothie, you know. So that's a, yeah. a, a you know, a, a way that you could do that, um, and then and then obviously, you know, and, and this is not easy. I, it, it sounds easy to say, but I know that doing it part is hard. Limit your intake of processed foods, fast foods, and commercial bakery goods and sweets. Just i mean I mean, I mean, I mean I mean in mean that one sentence, I basically described the typical American diet right exactly. you know so so he so. just ruined
2: a lot of lives too, but yeah. it's healthy it's what you're saying is eliminate the processed, sure, and get back to the basic
7: yeah and and stay away from the fast foods uh, you know there numbers of studies have been done to show that fast food intake, even on a you know a daily basis or you know x number of times per week is linked to increased risk of uh, cardiovascular disease and yeah. cardiovascular disease death and diabetes and other metabolic-related uh, conditions. Uh, you know, so fast food once in a while, maybe not such a big deal, but there are also healthy options for fast food, too. I, oh, mean, yeah. if, I mean, if you wanted to, you know, you could get a you know, a bean burrito or something like that that's probably, you know, pretty close to its natural form or, say, a traditional kind of a food. But But the other kinds of foods you know fast food commercial bakery goods those are pretty tough on Mm. you because a lot of times they have a lot of trans fat in them with the shortening and the kinds of oils that they use to make these things uh i mean think think about a twinkie i've heard stories about people uh, who have taken twinkies and i heard a story about a like a junior high school teacher or something like that had a twinkie above the door to their classroom and it had been there for like 25 years And, and 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 it didn't mold. It didn't rot. I mean, granted, it was still in the bag. but but, Still, somebody. But, I mean, seriously, you know, a food (laughs) that can just sit for 25 years and and not change at all? Right. That's something you want to put in your body? Mm -hmm. I mean, get real. Not probably what you're wanting
2: to do. No. Dr. Ron, we appreciate you. Ron is the health evangelist here on the show, helps us get uh, healthy one way or another. And, uh, again, Ron is associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences, right here on campus at BYU. Speaking of BYU, we'll be back talking with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. We're going to find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. It's time, folks, to head downstairs here at BYU Broadcasting Center to our good buddies and uh, Spencer... No, yeah, today it's Jerem and Jason at BYU Sports Nation. We're going to find out what's coming up on their show today in just a few minutes. Hello,
8: gentlemen. Good morning.
2: Hello. How are we doing?
4: Good. Not as good as Spencer. He's at Disneyland. Is that where he is? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, he is. Come on. uh, I saw the posts.
8: Come on. He just... How... What the? I love Disneyland so much. I do too. We used fun. to have annual passes, so we went a lot. But we've not been as a family now, I believe, for two years. And what's like, wrong? We're going through withdrawal. Yeah.
2: What? What's your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite thing to buy? What food?
8: Oh, uh, churros. Oh, the churro! There's something about the eight dollar Disneyland churro.
2: There's nothing better than an eight dollar Disneyland churro. And you know what I love to do is go get a little, um, a little mortgage, a loan, second mortgage.
8: <laughs> yeah. Then
2: go down, buy myself a handful of churros.
8: But see, here's what they've got though. Uh, I noticed this. My wife and I went a little over a year ago for our anniversary, just her and I. Mm. And they had this new thing, which was it was basically kind of like a a, a churro that they they put. Um, they kind of wrapped it in, into a, a circle, basically. Ooh. And they did this on each side and then put ice cream in it. So it's <gasps> essentially a churro ice cream sandwich.
2: With two rings. Mm,
8: oh, yeah. that sounds deli- it sounds it romantic.
2: Sound delicious. And then you two just you stared into each other's eyes and, and ate the churro sundae.
7: Yep, exactly. Ooh,
2: Jeff doesn't like Jeff that doesn't idea. Jeff doesn't
7: like it. He
4: prefers a Dodger Dove.
2: He prefers a turkey leg.
4: He is a turkey
2: leg
8: guy. There is something though very uh, manly about walking around with a turkey leg and just gnawing on that.
2: Uh, But don't you? It's it's it's. There's this kind of carnal side to that. (laughs) Yes,
8: like like it's just like it's (laughs) gnawing is the perfect (laughs)
3: verb.
2: (laughs) Hey, speaking of gnawing on a turkey leg, um, did you guys hear about this guy? There's a guy that that wants to be a human Ken doll. Okay. 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 So he spent four. So far, he spent four hundred and fifty thousand dollars on surgery to become. It a Ken doll, and yeah. he's he's actually his name
4: is Spencer Lind,
2: and his name is Rodrigo Alves, but he's um he's he actually is he's getting pretty close, and he's even like stiffening up his body a little bit. Um. Okay. So here's the question to you two. Other than why. Yeah, exactly. The why is he says he's not crazy because he's been getting mental health help along the way. He just feels like he was born with the wrong body that was it was like too fleshy. He wanted it to be like more, I guess, more plastic, m- more plasticky. But okay. you know who doesn't? So I, I personally would rather be a GI Joe doll yeah. than a Ken doll. Um, I'd
8: like to be He Man. I mean,
2: I, ooh, see, Jeff, I Jeff, I
8: have the power.
2: Wow. Yeah, are you okay? Je- yes. Je- Jeff wanted to be um, a, a turtle, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle.
8: That's not bad either. And then Which he one? also
2: wanted to be Stretch Armstrong. Donatello. It's all about the pizza. Yeah. 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 So, 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 you, what would you want to be? Jerem? Which doll would you want to be?
8: Optimus Prime.
2: Wow. Okay.
8: Sam, the cube i love transformers. <laughs>
2: apparently you do you'd want to be a transformer
8: i'm going he-man
2: and jason would go he-man i'm going he-man i'd still go g i'll even take
8: i'll even take I adam wanted she-ra i'll even take adam i mean it's the same guy so i'm fine <laughs> that's spoiler <that's laughs> alert Adam's they're the same wimpy. <laughs> he-man's awesome
2: you guys um this is good we're learning a lot about you guys psychologically so um talk to us about your show what's coming up on your show
8: Today
4: is a fun day. Uh, CFB analytics, as in college football analytics, it's a real thing. predicts that BYU is going thirteen and zero. So we'll discuss what your initial reaction is when you see that craziness. <laughs> like what? Are you serious?
8: We, we will also go over some of the news and notes and observations. From yesterday's BYU football practice. Plus, we have some, uh, some pretty impressive guests coming in Studio B. Blaine Fowler will be here. Oh, Blaine, wow. baby. Yeah, we will talk uh, some football with him. And then Taylor Isom, senior defender for BYU women's soccer. Isom. They just beat Oklahoma in Norman. And they're going this Friday to take on Penn State. Huh. At Penn
4: State. New between the lines. Lauren Francom, uh hits the streets. The uh, Hardcore Streets of Provo with <laughs> Mary Lake libero on the volleyball team. She's hilarious. She's you don't want to miss that.
2: That's great.
4: You guys are locked and loaded. It's loaded. It's li- listen. If if you don't if you don't want to be in the know on BYU Sports, don't watch it list. This show
8: is the equivalent of a churro ice cream sandwich. Mm. Oh. Awesome. Ooh no, not meats just a churro ice cream. Leg. Yes, meats meats. Uh, a turkey leg to gnaw.
2: On. Yeah. Imagine stirring that ice cream sundae with a turkey leg uh-huh. while you're looking into your, uh, the eyes of your beautiful wife.
4: On Star Tours. Mmm. I love it.
2: You guys, it sounds like a great show. Have fun uh, sharing your churro ice cream and dipping your turkey leg into it. They, uh, they're, they're, they've got a great show. They are totally, totally ready. Hey, as you know, um, we always like to end the show with a hero story. So how better to do it than with a 94-year-old man? Think about it. 94, you've lived your life, right? Well, Keith Davison turned his grief into a gift for the children in Morris, Minnesota, in his neighborhood. The 94-year-old retired judge's wife of 66 years, uh, uh, Evie, died from cancer in April of 2016, and his life changed in an instant. He became lonely and accustomed to the silence. He said, you end up crying a lot. When you love somebody that dearly and they, and they pass on you, that's just the way it is because she's not here. While he has three adult children, Davison doesn't have any grandchildren, and he came up with a way to ensure that he'd have plenty of guests, at least during the summer months. He'd install a pool in his backyard, and then he'd open the pool up to all the kids in the neighborhood. At first, his neighbors thought he was kidding, but once the in-ground pool was built, they knew he was serious. The town doesn't have an outdoor public pool, and Davison's generosity ensures that every child on the block can spend their afternoons in swimming and splashing. It's him spreading joy throughout the neighborhood for these kids, neighbor Jessica Hubert said. Davison's only rule is that the kids are accompanied by a parent or a grandparent while swimming. He says he swims when the pool is empty and finds that having a happening spot on the street is a welcome distraction to his loneliness. Davison's wife is no longer with him, but Hubner told him she's got several new family members. You kind of adopt the whole neighborhood of kids, he said. They become your grandkids. So congratulations, Keith Davison, for turning something that's difficult a difficult time into a beautiful time and being the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. And that's it, my friends. That is the show. We're done. Three hours. Three hours. If you want, you can go back to iTunes to tune in to BYURadio.org. You can find any of our old shows there in podcast form in the archives. We can't do the show without you. So uh, join us again tomorrow, 9 to noon Eastern time. And uh, remember, while you know, while we're away, let's make sure that we all become and be the best we can be. Let's lift the world one person at a time. BYU Sports Nation is up next, folks. Stick with us.